But, the, but there's you know? a huge amount of discontent in China at the moment. You know, like you were saying, like, I, I mean, I'm less worried about the whole Taiwan-China thing at the moment than I was China. because I think they've got so many problems at home. Although you never know countries with problems at home sometimes do. Well, that's do, kind of, it's like, but, a, it's like the but they, wolf kind of thing. In yeah, the well, they need to generate a They're an export-driven economy that's, that's right. all of a sudden trying to cut themselves off from certain parts of the world, all being cut off. And they don't have, the, even though everybody goes on about the Chinese middle class, they've still got a huge rural population yeah. that... They mm. just basically that can't afford anything. So they can't they can't move the stuff that they produce there and go, well, we can sell it domestically instead. And meanwhile, they're doing things like almost like people, you know, if you want to cut off iPhones from people in China, where they're probably supporting Chinese apps and all sorts of things. Totally. And people are just going to be really pissed off about that. And they're already pissed off in China. Exactly. So Hello and welcome back to the telecoms.com podcast, properly back after an extended uh, summer break, which consisted of one pod in the last two months, pretty much, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, one, um, one mid-August, wasn't it? But what a cracker it was. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> maybe we should just do that more often. <laughs> Save What's our energy. So you can, you can probably already tell by the accommodating laughter to my side <laughs> that we've, we're, we're welcome back with a special guest and not only a special guest, but I think probably our most frequent guest ever. I'm very proud of that. Um, uh, the one and only Mary Clark. Thank you. Thank um, you. Do you know, I've forgotten what hat you're wearing now, but I'll, I'll invite you to get us up to speed on yeah. all that. Um, so it's great to have you back, Mary. Thank you. I mean, you just happen to be in town, but it's perfect timing as ever. And you brought the weather with you. Yeah, hot a little too much. This week. It's a little too much Proper weather. Hot. Yeah. We're all, all us lads are sitting here in shorts. Mary's never seen so many masculine legs <laughs> um this is over on tuesday though so that's sad is it really yeah, yeah. It was like, properly over yeah enjoy like this cool. weekend because by tuesday it'll be back below 20 again mm -hmm. yeah it will which is like 70 fahrenheit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i just do the 60 mm. i just add 60 right <laughs> um, it's easy so is that, uh, is that the formula? No, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Oh, there's there's something much more <laughs> you know formal. That so you thirty is about ninety ish. Yeah, maybe a little bit less. Yes, that's you, exactly you it. You have to do a calculation, then add thirty two because uh, zero centigrade is thirty two Fahrenheit. That's right. Yeah, my dad's one of these people who just works out like straight away, but yeah, he's got, like a brain, like a advanced calculator. Right. So yeah, I'm not doing that. Uh, that's not happening. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. we, we do centigrade. We do centigrade. Any Yanks got a problem with that? That's them. That's well, clearly. Um. So, uh, yes, yeah, so and before we go any further, Mary has brought, even though she's been here loads of times, she knows the tradition of bringing a bribe. That is correct. And I, and I, might, I was just lamenting to Ian that the bribes kind of dried up a bit this year, so it's good to see. Let's see, maybe you've started something, Mary. And you brought a bribe. We've, there, we've had a lot of beer, though, in bribes. We have, but yeah, I mean, we mustn't, we mustn't discount like John Strand, who brought half of Waitrose. Yes. I mean, we've still got his Waitrose carrier bags here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Has, has all his beer finally gone now? No, because he was asking the other we've day. We've got those Carlsbergs that we're never going to touch. Those are the emergency beers. <laughs> which, which are the huge yeah, downsides. Those are the desperate beers. Those yeah. are desperate beers. I'm actually wondering whether I'd rather just not get pissed than drink Carlsberg. I don't think it's as bad as Carling and some of the I think that's fosters. true. I, I think that's I think true. Yeah. Drinkable. But no, we've still got... You're comparing terrible got, with... We've got some of the moody ones, actually, which is just relevant to Mary's bribe. We've got some of the ones we're too scared to drink, like this tropical. IPA, which is 6.3. Oh, boy. Well, that makes, um, that's nothing compared to some of these ones from memory. Elvis Juice, that's about 6.5. I think this one's savage. Lincoloid, 6.7. Yeah, well, actually, well, let's get on to that now. So Mary brought these bribes, which is a um, where a brewery, an American brewery called Lucky Pigeon. Oh, this is fabulous. Yeah, Lucky Pigeon. And um, 
and uh, she brought us some a bunch of tins and then also these little, what do we call them? We call them huggies. huggies. I call so them huggies. A lot of people insulator koozies as well. Huggies and koozies, mm -hmm. which keep your beer cold. Yeah, it calls them something else, but we won't bring that up. Yeah. I call them koozies. No, no, okay, I just came right. up with that word. You're using other analogies. I called them, them sheaths to be rude. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that, that has the another potential meaning. The typical one. My sort right. of Sid James. <laughs> sort of double entendre. So, yeah. So, tell us, Mary, what, tell us about Lucky Pigeon. So, I'm so. I'm selling it. Yay, thanks. <laughs> if, if, you know, I just need a, I need a still of that. Thank you, uh, Pierre. That'd be great. Um... <laughs> So this is uh, my nephew, Nick, and his wife, Leslie, and Leslie's sister, Bev. They're going to love listening to this. And her partner, Bev. No, her partner, Pidge. I was about to say Bev and Bev. I know, Bev and Pidge. So Pidge is actually, her name is Kathleen Pigeon. This is her last right, name is Pigeon. Oh. And so Pidge, Kathleen, and my nephew, Nick, uh, you know, are essentially in-laws through these sisters that, you know. And yeah. they've been talking about making a gluten-free beer because she's real gluten-sensitive, for years and finally did all the research, got an incredible business plan together. And then two years ago, they opened in Biddeford, Maine, which is just south of Portland, uh, Portland, Maine. And so for anybody listening that has no idea where that is in the United States, this way up at the north. Extreme northeast. Extreme yeah. northeast. It's typically cold and filled with snow and mud half the year, but it's got about a month and a half there that's really quite, quite nice. About like England. <clears throat> England, but with more severe winters. Yes, right. way. It is New England, isn't it? That yes, area. very much yeah. so. Yeah, but this is like the very top. Yeah. It's like you know, you might as well be in Canada. It's like even like above part of Canada. Yeah, yeah. Toronto's further south. That's there, right. Isn't it? Yeah. And so, that. yeah, yeah. It's quite You're not as much of a map, map geek as I am. <laughs> so this is 100% gluten free, which which is a little weird, right? Because you're just like, well, how do they make all this type of beer? Because they make 12 to 13 different types of beer. So today, you guys are drinking Rock Dove. Yep. Which is a New England style IPA, and so that's going to be a slightly hazier IPA. Uh, it should have some. One, it, they'll tell you all the different notes that are on the can. Right. Uh, we're going to save one for Dario. Well, actually, Mary did bring us a bunch of them, so we're good. We're only going to get through a fraction of what she brought. <laughs> Bless her. She lugged about sixteen tins over from the states. <laughs> they're all sixteen ounce cans. Yeah. Cans, so they're all full pints. So, um, and then you're going to taste a spark bird, and then you're going to taste the double IPA, which yeah. is more than 8%. So I've got, yeah, I've got to say, we got slightly scared when Mary's going, you got to have a go at all this. And we we're going, okay, that was 6%. And then she went, what about this? And I go, that's 8%. And we were like, look, Mary. I know, right? fucking 2 o'clock. <laughs> Can't be doing 8%. But we're obviously going to give it a sip. And, um, and so far, uh, you, you, you were... You were no, we think, we think this is great. It's really nice. It's like um, it's a bit like Hazy Jane. It does remind me because you said it was hazy. Yeah, yeah. We often drink Hazy Jane, which is like a brew dog, the, the brewery. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it reminds me of that a bit, but it's a little bit stronger, I'd say. And this yeah, is it's got a little bit more of um, sort of dry hoppy. Yeah, yeah. Thing going on. Yeah. So you're, we're making it with rice and with millet and things that don't. Yeah. You know, which one thing I don't get. You might not know the answer to this, um, and maybe your uh, your relatives can let us know. Because I. You know, I'm not really gluten insensitive, but as you know, I try not to eat bread because it yeah. sort of disagrees. It gives me like some kind of inflammatory reaction in my muscles, causes me muscular pain. Mm. But apart from Weiss beers and wheat beers, I don't understand why beers got to have gluten in it. They don't. Yeah. You don't have to. It's just a matter of, of the way in which historically specific traditional types of beers have had a, 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 a taste to them. So it's almost a tradition more than anything. Right. Oh, sorry, honey. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, like, they generally, the, the staple cereal is barley, isn't it? Not yes. wheat. Very much and so. And I don't know if barley come, is gluten or not. Yeah. 
It is, is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, there was that. Answer so that, question, that's really it? the issue. So because you never eat barley, you don't have barley bread or anything. No, no, no. Yeah. Regular yeah. basis. Is that all they use barley for? I do barley. They use it for animal beer. feed a lot as well. Animal like, feed and beer. Yeah. I think so yeah. Yeah, but it's you don't need it, and the types of things that we're putting in here, we don't. Like you can get, um, like there's that there's that uh, gluten free one, the lager that's in Spain. Uh, I want to say it's made by um, Australia. Yeah. So oh. they make one, right? Okay. But they add. I think you and I had one. I think I was out with you and we were in Barcelona. Market. Oh, in Barra. And oh. I was just like, okay, I need to try as many gluten-free beers as I can because we're getting ready to do this. Right. And what they're doing in that case is adding a, uh, a some sort of um, chemical to the mixer as they're making it to kill the gluten. Mm. Right. Post the process. It is just the a, a protein, isn't it? Yeah. And so what they're doing here is everything from start to finish. And we're making a sour, uh, a, a pale ale, like an sour. American ale. Do you like sour beers? No. I'm I don't think I've had enough of them. It's a thing. Really? Gotta, I've, I've had one. That's enough. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, a big fan, but we've just come out with a lager. I mean, right. it's... And everything. You say we. Are you, I know are you I, actively involved or are you just a cheerleading? I'm I'm a little of both. Okay. You, you got know? a little, little. Yeah, but I mean, that's not nearly as important as just I help them. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. You know, a little of the strategic stuff. But nonetheless, so, I'm right. so thrilled to bring it to the UK. Yeah. Well, First yeah, time it's ever been good. outside of the country. Well, I like this one a lot. It's really nice. I'm yeah. so glad. Yeah. No, good. nice we'll, one. We'll keep yeah. trying as we go. And, and, and thanks a lot for the, what's the, what, the, what do you call these? We'll call it koozies because that seems to be the most, you know, most consistent one here. And yeah, good luck, um, Lucky Pigeon crew. Um, but thanks a lot. It's really tasty, definitely. Um, and we are, you Cops probably haven't heard the podcast before. I'm assuming you're going to hear this one because Mary go, look, you got to mention. <laughs> um, yes. But we drink pale ale, American style pale ale all the time. That's just what we do now, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. We're almost, it's pretty much all we're I almost drink. It's all you drink anymore. Yeah. 24 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 7. Yeah. Well. Either that or a bottle of wine. <laughs> or both not on my own <laughs> right okay um, so well that was a good episode that was a good episode yeah well so so one thing yeah, I got forget the telecom you know stuff should we um, should we do the tasting should we get get the tasting stuff oh yeah sure that'd be great let's get let's do a hot in ca- just in case we forget I mean I don't mind mentioning them again but we might forget if we don't do it now so we have a rock duck so we should so be we've doing got, a... we've got a wingspan yep which um it's called a double IPA, which we consider a single IPA, six and a half percent. You've got to start shitting yourself at that stage. Eight percent. Oh, my God. So <laughs> so we got that. Who was it he brought us one on before that was like one of those Belgian beers? Wasn't it, it was it, the um, teens, the, the alcohol. Wasn't it, yeah. What's his name from Rakuten Symphony? Oh, it was. Jeff. It was Jeff. You're Jeff. Right. Yeah. yeah. He brought he brought us some 11 percent. I don't think I could drink it. Oh, it the other day I tried a brew dog. There was a stout that was black and it was 12 percent. Oh, and with a bit of tequila in it, I could. I took two sips and I was like, no. no that's <laughs> awful. That's just, Everything's wrong about that. Was, every single word in that sentence was, was not good. It was awful. And then, and then we got a third variety, which is called Spark Bird, which is just called an American IPA, yeah. as opposed to a New England hazy IPA, yeah. I suppose. Um, and, uh, oh, look, and they even list the hops, I presume, on the front. Yes. Cashmere, Centennial, and Amarillo. Whereas... The savage one. No, no, we don't even. It, they're like you don't need to know about hops. You just need to be sitting down when you drink it. I think. Yeah, I don't know how many, they're going from. They're, they're continually changing the the labels. Right. Okay. So sometimes yeah. it's on there. Sometimes okay, it's not. Well, on, on this particular one. What do you think we should do? And we're doing a taste of these other ones. Should we try the American IPA or the double? Should we finish Which off one's on the stronger? double? The doubles are stronger. Well, let's go. Let's work let's our go way the weaker up. one first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what it's you really a beer it, podcast with a bit of telecom. It's like when yeah, you do increasingly. Those... I feel like we should be talking about some yeah, sort of telecom activity. Telecom. There's, always, and we got... there's too much talk of telecom on this podcast. <laughs> we've, got, right. we've got to say, Mary would normally be matching us. 
step for step, but she's got some grown up stuff to do after the pod. I do, so I'm so that even um, looks strong. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of thick looking. It and... sort of slightly growled at me as it came out of the tin. I was just so happy. It, it, it's, uh. it's this has been through for everybody that's listening to this. This has been on a flight from the U.S. to the U.K., from the U.K. to Ireland, Ireland back to the U.K. and to two different hotels. Right. So I've lugged this thing everywhere. Wow. So and so you've been lugging it yourself. It's extra fermented. Yeah, yeah totally. So All right. Are we supposed to look at it and like? No, no, you just drink it. Wine, probably (laughs) not. A bit cloudy as well, isn't it? Yes, yes, would be a bit cloudy. (laughs) But to have a double IPA that's gluten free, it's uh, you don't find those. No, so this isn't the double IPA. Yes, it is. It's a bit more fruity. This one. I thought it would taste different. Being being the alcohol content it is, I thought it would have a an overpowering taste, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's fruity, but it's actually almost not as. Strong right. tasting as a rock dove. Yeah. Let's nick the rest of this and then have a go. At the... I'm getting leather, apricot. <laughs> getting notes. I'm getting a f- just a asparagus. <laughs> yeah, you don't want asparagus. Can you imagine? Oh god. Well, no. what, what if it was asparagus coming out? That would be weird, wouldn't it? Oh, oh, that would be bad. That would be so bad. Right. Do, do you want to neck this and we'll do the other one? Yeah. Oh, you guys are so fabulous. Thank you for doing this. I mean, I can't wait to tell them. Well, can't no, promise you, what condition I'll be are, in later. You are somewhat playing to our strengths here. Well, you know, I know my audience. I mean, yeah. let's face it. As as your longest standing guest, I should know, you know, at this point. <laughs> yes, you should know our MO. That's right. Right, so you're ready for the wingspan. No, this is... Oh, did, wait a minute. Did you just do the Sparkbird first? That was a Sparkbird, yeah. Oh, so that's not the double IPA. So that's no, no. just the American IPA. That's right. You're yep. going up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But isn't that nice? I like the Sparkbird. That's my. That was really nice. I really like that. I thought, one. I thought when, when beers go above 6%, I, they often get a bit chewy. And, True. Yeah. Uh, but that was good. I really like that one. I like. I prefer the Sparkbird myself this over one the looks like it has chewy potential. Yeah, well, this so how is, much is this one? 8%. This is 8. That's just why we're. So that one was 6.8. Six, eight. That was 6.8. Six, six, okay. 6.8. Yeah, right. That, that uh, makes the sense. The one we're drinking all of is 6.5, and this is 8. I, I anticipate this being chewier. Yeah. Yeah, and it's even, it's even more opaque. Mm. Yeah. Um, it looks, yeah. It a looks little frightening. Very, very it looks a bit scary. <laughs> it looks like It does peach not taste juice. like it's 8%, though. Yeah, it's got a bit of peachy. No, yeah, it, it looks like a again. peach juice. Yeah. It, it doesn't taste of, overly. It looks like peach juice, and it's actually got it a does, peachy yeah. sort of. Oh, I commend yeah. your family on doing stuff that's um, like strong, but kind of drinkable, because it's, yeah, normally 8% beers aren't good, I don't yeah. think. No, I, so this is the, the brewmaster's nice. guy by the name of Scott, and his palate is another Scott, and he is... Uh, I'd, I'd drink a pint of that oh, and then probably geez. regret it afterwards. Well, that's it. And then go and fight someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would go be and have an good. argument in a bar about not being able to pay with cash. Yeah. <laughs> like your father. <laughs> I paid attention. <laughs> I remembered. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember um, which one that was on now. Was well, it's come up a few times. I think we mentioned it on the last pod as well. Right. And um, before we get into what we're going to talk about, um, well, actually, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. But I'm going to also invite Mary to get us up to speed on her professional larking about um, before we do that. What we're going to talk about is perhaps slightly awkwardly as we've got an American guest on, but we're going to talk about sort of the ver- some of the manifestations of the sort of US versus China fuckery that's going on at the moment. Um, the biggest one, like by far the most read stories on telecoms.com over the last couple of weeks have been ones I've written about um, Huawei sort of launching a new phone mm-hmm. um, at a time when the Americans have tried to make it such that Huawei can't get hold of any decent silicon. Yeah. Not only can't get hold of any like Qualcomm chips or MediaTek chips, but also can't use foundries like TSMC 
Yeah, I don't think to even that. to even make their own design I don't think of the Qualcomm stuff's going to upset them very much. Well, they probably did use Qualcomm back in the day. Uh, Huawei wouldn't have done in its in its mm -mm. Um, in its photo. So they've been using devices. Kirin forever. You say the, the high silicon can do what Qualcomm does on the design side. Okay, and right, they don't and they don't even need um, people like Marvell on the base station side. They produce their own chips for that. So who well. who was doing their modems before though? That they, would have been Qualcomm. Maybe at some point they had Qualcomm anyway, modems well, in the phone. We'll get we'll get into that. Um, which reminds me of one of the excerpts we did from the last pod where you just started steaming into the subject while I was trying to that introduce That is exactly it. what he did oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so anyway, so we're going to talk about that. And, and I just, I've just got some, some thoughts more generally on that dynamic and how it's all going. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. And I think another thing that's come up quite a lot this week, I've, we've written one or two stories about the open round market in general. And I think, Ian, that's definitely one of your strengths is getting really under the skin of that area. And, and, and so we're going to look at it. To some extent, from a point of view of, uh, has it all been a complete waste of time, mm -hmm. sort of thing? I mean, I'm being deliberately sort of I, I provocative think... and facetious with that, but you know, it's a question worth asking. So we can get into that, and then I think we're going to finish off um, something caught Mary's eye that we wrote this week uh, about one of the most senior people at the European Commission called Margarita Vestager. Sorry, John, I probably didn't pronounce that right. That, she's you, Danish. You can never pronounce, pronounce it right if it's Danish because it's no. an unpronounceable language it'll have some, unless you're Danish. And I'm still not sure if it has an A at the end or an E. Mar yeah, Vesta I think it's E. Is it E, Mar yeah. Margarita? Margarita. Yeah, with, a, with an E. -E. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I think that's it, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's not Margarita like, like, like a drink. No. But it's pronounced something like Margarita. Yeah, yeah. There's something yeah. to it. <laughs> with, with, with like nothing John, like understanding. It's like a little chewy. If, if you want to know how you pronounce it, go back to the John Strand pod and, and he, he does it proud. Good. Um, and yeah, she's she might be leaving. She's having a she's having a temporary leave of absence to go and apply for a job at the, um, what's it called? European Investment Bank. European Investment Bank, which it's is basically a, uh, where a lot of EU money gets chucked about. Yeah. Um, and and if she does leave, then what does that mean? Because she she probably, together with Thierry Breton, is the single person in the bureaucracy that affects the telecoms industry the most. Just so, to mention John, you mentioned John, but I saw him a few days ago. He watches the pod, so yeah. And he got phoned right, up John. at some point by uh, someone from Denmark, obviously. And I've not heard him speak Danish very much because he Monty you, Danish. You, and that just just makes me realise what a bizarre language it is to yeah. ink to sort of English ears. Yeah, it's really really hard and it's, it's not even really, it's really odd it's not even that similar to like swedish or something, no it's it? like swedish is, yeah, it is it is, no, is, it? It is they similar understand each other oh okay really. maybe no, i was confusing the swedes don't with... understand the danes the danes understand the swedes and if you read it it's the same oh sorry the, pronunciation of the it's ones totally who really different. understand each other is the norwegians norwegians yeah. and yeah. swedes understand each other. and the then Danish has got nothing to do with anything that's just out of left yeah, field yeah that's not a scandinavian to do with hungarian or something yeah and icelandic is whatever it's also very similar to swedish yeah right but but the, the that, they if, got you, if you look at it on paper, they look the same. But because the Danes basically swallow all the consonants, I and see. it's so oh, it's, it's like a heavy dialect, so odd. I like, no idea. You, you have this situation where the Swedes can't understand the Danes, but the Danes can understand the Swedes. Oh. So I've been told years ago from you know what, Danes that I used do you know what to. What makes me want to do? Did you ever watch um, The Killing? No, I know about I it, but I never was, saw it. That was brilliant. And I believe that was subtitled and recorded in Danish. It's one of those Scandi. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really you know, it's the, the, noirs, yeah. the Bond villain, that guy, the Danish actor. Oh, Mads. Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah. yeah. Is he like the one that he's like the only one everybody knows, right? Yeah. yeah. He's in the, but he, yeah. Does, he does look properly shifty. You oh, he does. Totally. He, gets, uh, he plays Nazi in a new um, Indiana Jones. Yes, yeah. he does. I was watching that last night. Indiana Jones and the last walking stick. It wasn't that... 
Look, I'm I'm never going to say anything bad about it. I forget it. It's like Star Wars for me. I'm going to yeah. love it. I don't care. Oh, no. <laughs> I Mary, Mary won't listen to reason on the most recent. I'm sorry. Star Wars I'm not. Huh? You know, you could talk. She, she's so into Star Wars that she just can't see that the latest ones were shite. I thought the first one of the last three was okay. Force Awakens. Yeah. I right. thought the first Force Awakens is That's quite right. good. I thought the other two were. Okay. There are issues. I have notes for both, but you know. <laughs> what do you think of the ones that came before that? The three that um, they look suddenly look better in you comparison. And, you and McGregor well, was in. That's right. I mean, it is interesting. The ones that the the, the prequels, the um, oh god, now Attack, Attack of the three. Clones. Yeah, yeah, Attack of the Clones is two, and Revenge of the Sith is three. And then I don't remember. Well, the introduction the of the Muppet characters. That little floppy. That was, that was the first one. Jar Jar Banks, yeah. 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 I didn't know that were that bad, to be honest with no, you. No, and actually now the they Phantom are... Menace. Phantom Thank you. Menace. Thank you. Just look it up. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> he watches it every weekend. Yeah, every weekend he knows. He knows. But no, I, I think those are great, yeah, actually. I really do like those people a lot. People got a bit annoyed by the young Anakin. He's a bit stroppy and yeah, petulant. You know, but then again. Isn't he supposed to be? Yeah, I, I guess so. Exactly. He turns into Darth Vader. He's supposed yeah. to be a dick. <laughs> and he is. <laughs> then he becomes the supreme dick. Yeah, you know, he's, he's going to be Darth Vader. you got to have some of that. Well, I am the supreme dick. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't quite sound like James L. Jones already. Uh, it's out of control. It's because we've been on the 8%, isn't it? Okay. Let's get back into it. Um, uh, yeah. So I think those, I've covered the three things we're going to do. So before we get into it, Mary, just let us know what you're up to at the moment. Well, after spending almost 30 years in mobile, um, which is just a ridiculous thing to say out loud. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're doing anything slightly I, humbling. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just really depressing. I've been here nearly 10 years. I know. Well, then we don't, we're not going to talk about that either. <laughs> I know. The two of you. I mean, so I'm now working uh, at a, um, at a uh, technology company called Brivo, B-R-I-V-O. And we manage access to and from structures through the cloud. Uh -huh. So... So this is all smart building, smart building it. stuff. So you know we are making it so that you know you can go anywhere in any building, so you can get in through securely through with a badge or with a little, you um, know, little um, fob, fob if you want, yeah. right? Or through the mobile. But we're doing it in a way that, so that you control, you, you're controlling it remotely, you're managing it from any place, and it could be any type of structure. So we cover about 42 million square meters in about 60 countries. Right, it's so big scale. Yeah, it's 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 quite. The company's been around for twenty years, and it actually started as a cloud business, which of course twenty, 20 years, years ago, ago. Wow, you know that was not a thing. But you know, I was in mobile for so you long. Can... I was in there when we started talking about digital transformation, which was really oh gee, we need to make sure everything is actually connected now. Right, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, we've got a, we've got a trade show coming up called Digital Transformation. I'm well, very well for, and, the, and, familiar with those guys. Yeah, and. Um, it's coming coming to a stage with digital transformation with me where like this has been around for quite a long time now. Is it, have we got there yet? No. Well, what's the last it's thing? It's going to be called digital transformation in ten years, Scott. You know, you know what I mean. Well, it still is in buildings. Yeah. I got dumb buildings all around us, right? I mean, how many smart buildings are there that are managing every aspect of yeah. the, the space, right? From a an energy yeah. consumption to your access control to your you know, just simply making it so that you have the ability to like reserve a desk and you have yeah. all of these types oh, of quite This one's reasonably smart in that way. But even smart can be quite dumb. Like I was just showing you earlier how for some reason just our little cold water tap's got to be controlled by a smartphone. I know, but a that's... A dedicated smartphone. What? It doesn't necessarily... Yeah. yeah. Haven't you said that little thing? Do you ever go and get any water down in the kitchen? No, I don't drink water. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> 
<laughs> There's no active ingredient. <laughs> too much of a man to drink water. Um, well, anyway, they, they've got this little console, and they've basically got a dedicated device. It's only got four buttons for sort of small or large glass, and maybe one for hot or fizzy. I it don't was know. it was sparkling and stuff. yeah. yeah. Um, and but but it's a whole smartphone. You can tell it's a smartphone because you can see the little aperture for the camera. So they're using what is probably what would probably cost one or two hundred quid, like entry level sort of Chinese manufacturer smartphone, but just to do this single function. So Huawei's spying like, on us when you get water. That's it. Oh, that's it. We're going to feed into that one in Come a minute. Come on, America, sort that out. I, I know exactly. So I was at this show earlier this week called PropTech Connect uh, at the mm. O2, and that was the reason I was in town. Which presumably is short for property technology. Property technology. Well, of course, you know, if you can't turn it into some sort of smart acronym, what's the point? Yeah. You know, it's so <laughs> you Well, you're, 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 in the, you're with the right company for yeah. coming up with event names. Yeah, well, yeah. of course, and I'm in marketing, so, mm. you know, it's, it's what I do. I and how did that go? It was very good. It's really interesting. Well, that's, I mean, that's the main reason you're over here, but much as I'd love to think you came over just for the pod. Well, I always want to just come and see yeah. and be on the pod. I mean, I'd love to hang out with you guys. But I mean, I the, this whole business of taking a, an old building and turn it into smart, you guys have got yeah, a brand new point. building here. Yeah. yeah. Right? Pretty so you're yeah, able yeah. to start. And the UK is actually pretty far ahead. You've is got it? one of the first almost completely smart buildings, I'm putting this in air quotes, over 22 Bishopsgate. And it was built from the ground up to be as, as smart right. as possible. I, I've heard I of that. Someone's got something nice to say about the UK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you do. Because recently, there hasn't been a lot of positive. Oh, God, press. I was just chatting to Mary <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, before, I, yeah. before earlier, um, and I, I was sharing the, the leader. Have you read Spectator this week yet? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Broken Britain. Yeah, that, the, the leader on the Spectator is just talking about these councils that are just all fucked. Yeah, and, we'll and, get into and that. And then you've too. got <laughs> school buildings that are falling down. I mean, I know I from a journalistic point of view, you can aggregate all these things to paint a more apocalyptic. Well, picture, I, I got the, the thing does, through and I looked at the headline and I thought, come on, guys, it's not. It's not like. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like you go out on the streets and you get shot, shot by gangsters when you walk down the road, which yeah. happens in a lot of countries. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you've got places like, you know, I hear these horror stories about, for example, San Francisco in the States. And there's Baltimore, plenty, yeah. And Baltimore, yes, yeah. of course. Um, so there's plenty of places that are knackered. But, but yeah, back to back to your point and, and Ian's point. It's nice to know that we're doing some stuff. Yeah, right. no, you guys are quite advanced and this is going to be a really important market for us. And so we're going to be in, investing in more people and more feet on the street. We're going to work with, with a, uh, it's called the UK PropTech Association. Uh, and they're in 22 Bishopsgate, and so we're going to work with them a great deal. So, no, it, it's, there's a lot happening, and, and really, buildings, you know, it makes sense when you think about digital transformation. There's not a lot digital, naturally, about a big building, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's the last frontier of digital transformation, and that'll be the last thing that we do. So as we figure out how to retrofit these older buildings and try to make them and meet, you guys have got sustainability goals. We don't have any of that. Yeah. Not in the United States, no? really. No. We you, haven't signed up for this zero no. carbon uh -huh. by 2040. I mean, we have, there are localized, lo you know, spaces, cities in, in the U.S. that have set targets. But, you know, this whole idea of you guys being, what, net zero by 2030? Yeah. That's, do, do you I do think that's bollocks. Um, press anyway. wave at all? Because they, they do the connectivity, I think, for 22. Yeah, we had, we, had them, they're, they're, we had them on a few months so ago. So Tom Bennett was on here, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, they, they carry a neutral infrastructure, basically. That's right. But, yeah. And so to me, that's actually the connect the, the real connection into, you guys were really talking about private wireless networks not so long ago. Uh, sorry. I'm on. I'm sorry. having a go at me because my He's slowly going around. in the corner for some reason. So I'm on the board of directors of this company called CTS out of the U.S. and they're a they've been a um, a dispersed, disaggregated or what is DAS, uh, yeah. DAS uh, and organization, if you will, inside of buildings for like 40 years, and so they're now getting into private wireless networks. This is where I really think we're going to see that bridging of 
of taking, you know, what's the opportunity for the mobile operator globally to really say, okay, look, where haven't I invested in extending my network, whether, and I don't care whether it's um, millimeter wave or I don't care if it's Wi-Fi, I don't care if it's 5G, I don't care what it is, but I want to be the one that supplies the in-building network. Yeah. So it's the connectivity. Well, so that's, I, I mean, that's know, such I a think big... there's something there. So that's where, to me, I'm getting excited about that opportunity. I'm sorry. And that's such ahead. a big no, not at all. Um, that's such a big thing to do with. You know, this has come. This has come up um, a lot this year. Like the, the major theme, certainly uh, for telecoms.com and World, World Congress this year, was um, was the sort of show me the money from 5G yeah, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And you know, it's, 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 I'm not saying that we're particularly clever for asking that question. Xiaomi. But yeah, show me the money. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of my one of my better headlines that I've ever written. Um, and um, but but then you think of. Th- opportunities like this and and the thing that i really struggle to get my head around and maybe this is where things like freshwave come in is you know th- there are so many potential stakeholders in turning a for what a better term dumb building into a smart building how do how does the telco sector make sure that it is at the front of the queue or near the front of the queue to get some of the piece of the action well it starts at the commercial commercial real estate owner operator level and it says okay who who owns the building and is subsequently leasing the space so that that person or, or organization then has the facility manager that is simply saying, okay, I need to attract people into this building. I need to make sure I have the best possible connectivity. I need to make sure it's working in every little corner of every office. And this, this you know, soundproof space that we're in right now, that becomes a part of the amenities that they need to constantly be increasing in order to attract people into the building mm. and stay in the building. And so what you're looking for you know, like reserve the desk or be able to order lunch from the sushi place next door and have it delivered all through one workplace app, yeah, for example. Yeah. You know, these are all the kinds of things that a commercial real estate company is going to try to do. Same with the enterprise, right? So if, if Informa says, all right, look, I'll, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to come into this building. Because you guys have been in like a bunch of different places over the last yeah. few years, well, right? It's amazing. This, this is, yeah. comes this into is this building third, at all in that third podcast right? studio you've been to. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought so. So there was Maple House, then there was just around the, the corner, and then this building has the worst connectivity ever. Yeah. So this frankly. is a perfect example for of wireless. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for cellular, it's got no connectivity Which at is all. Insane. And the Wi-Fi system works in a very kind of if you're on the corporate network already, if your laptop's set up to use it, you'll yeah. go onto it. But if you're a guest and you're trying to find the password, then <laughs> you can only find it out by logging onto the corporate network. It's insane. So it's just totally... And there's yeah. enough fiber to the building at this point to help deliver, hopefully, you know, at least millimeter wave. Yeah. So why is there not, you know, that level of effort? And again, it doesn't have to be that. Just go with Wi-Fi. Yeah. You know, the operators, I think, have this... I, and I think there are a couple that are a little more sophisticated mm-hmm. about this that are just like, look, a subscriber is a subscriber is a subscriber, right? I don't care, yeah. you know, what kind of network they're on. If they're using <laughs> and they get an invoice from me that has my name on the top of it, I don't care what That's I'm what delivering to at them. the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, we need, there's a little bit of that mindset, but, you know, I could go on and on about the way operators think, so... Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, That's what I you were doing for all those all those years, decades. all those preceding decades. So now I'm kind of interested in, at the convergence of this. So... It's kind of cool to have, you know, started in the industry when the whole term smart didn't exist, see it as it became something, and now be in a, in a space that's actually looking to figure out how to make it real and actually make money off of, out yeah. of it, you okay. know? 
So that's well, keep us posted. I will. I, I, there's I some think cool stuff. I'm still always looking for, and I know there won't be just some panacea. There won't be some eureka moment where we go, oh, that's where all the fucking money from 5G is coming from. Yeah, well, we know but, that. <laughs> yeah, damn right. But but any sort of use cases, you know, I, and I obviously a lot of journalism is sort of being skeptical and going, mm-hmm. you know, we've got incoming stuff from people like you and we're going, oh, are they talking shit or not? Yeah. But I quite like writing stories about how, look, it turns out, that this nascent market's growing like mad and 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 it's a good opportunity for operators. I think that's part of Trade Press's job is to talk up commercial opportunities as well. Well when they when we believe in them. Yeah, well that's exactly right. When they're credible. So you know, if if anything comes up from CTS that I think is interesting that I can talk about, I'll bring yeah, it yeah, back. Because cool. it's it's a whole private wireless approach that's, you know, leveraging multiple different things. So yeah, I'll keep yeah. it posted. Cool. Cool. Thank you, Scott. Oh, uh, not at all. Anyway, so back to shitting on people. <laughs> um so my, yeah, my story, I, I wrote two stories, and I believe, Ian, you've recently written a story um, about it. I wrote an opinionated thing today, right, okay. well, Robert, you... Robert had already covered the actual news. Right, right. Um, so so the news the news was that Huawei, um, let me, get, I think I was organized enough to get the story up here. I'm normally not that organized. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you've heard me berating myself on the pod, probably. So it's the Huawei Mate 60 Pro. Mm. Um, so it's your mate. It's not just a phone, it's your mate. Yeah, what's up with that? I know. This is <laughs> yeah. branding. Or maybe it's like, God, there was this absurd thing that the mayor of London came out with. Or maybe it's Mattia. Isn't there a drink called Mattia? And they think, I don't Mate, know. Yeah. Mate, yeah. <laughs> well, we have two T's. The, um, <laughs> yeah. the mayor of London is this bloke called Sadiq Khan, and he came up with this absurd marketing campaign. Um, and it was to do, it, I mean, the, the premise of it is serious. It's to do with like perceived sexual harassment by men and women, obviously. Um, and But the the strap line was say may to a mate and what you're supposed to do is when you see a mate looking lecherously at a woman you're supposed to go mate and just sort of talk him down from whatever his testosterone pedestal is anyway it got the piss taken out of it because he had this extended this mate with about three a's in it you know and he just again, he lived in the uk a, i mean it, did, it, it could be yeah. it could be slovak it's a slovak word that means you have Oh, does it? It's a plural of you, you have in Slovak. You would know. Mafia so. is pronounced. So anyway, Huawei in, in their wisdom well, decided help. to <laughs> decide to call their phone mate. <laughs> so they're putting out a phone that looks like yeah. suspiciously. And not like, just mate, but pro mate. Yeah, mate. Why does that look like a, an, an iPod? Yeah, an old, old school iPod. Old pi- so this old is the back. IPod. I actually think they've got a camera module on it that's actually quite advanced. It's, it's got a degree of optical zoom in it. Because you know most Zoom is, well, digital Zoom, because optical Zoom actually requires yeah, yeah, physical depth, right? moving about. So I think that's what that's all about. Um, it's not, but it does look like the old disc of an iPod. Yeah, so both the look of it and the name of it, they're just really not doing so well. <laughs> so they're not doing so well, but the point of it is they actually kept it really quiet. There was no launch event. There was no marketing at all that we're, that I could tell. But the fact is they haven't launched a... A significant phone with the Huawei brand. It should be noted that they were they successfully um, spun off uh, a sub brand called Honor. Um, and 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 the the background of all of this is is the US. Your lot. Yeah, me. Um, sure. I blame you. I'm going to blame you personally. That's fine. Um, <laughs> are basically going. Let's see. This is this is my characterization of it. It started. You know, this Huawei saga we've been covering for two or three years, haven't we? Oh yeah. And it started with. Let's say for the sake of argument, legitimate concerns about whether or not Huawei kit in our telephone networks could be appropriated by the Chinese government for espionage purposes. Okay, I still think we've never seen a smoking gun that proves that that's the case. But let's just I say... I don't think it was just that. 
What, what else was it? Intellectual property theft was one of the big US concerns. Big US concerns, but that wasn't the US. But that wasn't the pretext for banning Huawei no, it from networks. But it was certainly it was certainly was a for some of the other it was legal definitely a grievance. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And you know, and I think there is some evidence that there has been some fairly extensive IP theft over the years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for for those only listening, Ian was like a duh look on his face. Um, so, um, but anyway, so that's how it started. But then it just seems to have snowballed and metastasized such that now the way the US government is framing it is, and I wrote about this a little while back, they even declared a national emergency. Yeah, just, and the national emergency is that China's getting a bit too good at technology, more or less. And we can't have that because we're the daddies. We've got all the best missiles and planes and shit. Um, and we run the world, and we, we, quite frankly, we're not in the habit of sharing that shit with anyone else. Um, now, I mean, I can understand that in a pure geopolitical way. You know, I was chatting to my dad, who's a historian, and he was saying, you know, it was ever thus, you know, the UK, uh, sort of 150 plus years ago, we were in that boat um, when when our empire um, covered the whole world. Um, and, you know, we didn't fancy it, and we probably tried some dirty tricks to keep the US probably in line. I would think so. Um, but I don't think it's dirty tricks. Well, I so it might, I, it might it might be. You could argue that yeah, it's you should look at trade and whether you want countries to have access to technology in a in a certain way that's different from necessarily some other political considerations you you might have. But it's not dirty tricks saying that you can't buy this technology because I think it's an I think it's an abuse. It's of not the it's not like you know it's not like they've done anything that's. Um, under the radar and um, nobody knows about and it's like you know no, I said dirty, setting up sneaky. honey traps or <laughs> yeah not sneaky know, it, i i think i just i just question the the premise of the us and, and i'm going to get into why it, it doesn't really matter what i think yeah but i actually think it's damaging to the us what it's doing um but i question the premise of trying to freeze another country out of the the global technological ecosystem mm. on the grounds that we don't want them catching up with us. I just think that's a fucking dodgy premise. Mm. So, um, what do you think, Mary? Well, you're umming. I am umming because I'm not sure if I if it's I don't want them to catch up with us. I guess is really my point because I don't. I, one of the things you, you've gone off about this a number of times, and and the one thing that I always think about is there's no smoking gun associated with any of the intelligence issue, right? Yeah, that they shared with the public. Which kind of actually makes me think good, right? Because the flip side of that is, okay, do we really want them, the U.S. government, sharing publicly? No, that's a good point. That's you know, point. why why they don't yeah. want them? I mean, I because in some ways, right, if it's supposed to be secret, well, good, they haven't actually leaked it and screwed it up, mm. you know, and gotten it out. I mean, that I, I, from that so. point of view, I have actually been kind of happy about that. Putting the warning label on anything from China kind of thing. I, I while I'm I'm not terribly I don't know enough of, of why the hell he put national emergency on that. And I don't have enough knowledge, but I have I I can somewhat respect the idea of having remember our balloons that flew over from yeah. China over the US, yeah. you know, here just last yeah. summer. I mean that was that was a little a bit weird. Yeah. That was a little disturbing. And the capturing of so much data associated with that. Yeah. You know, what's behind all of that? Just sitting here as a regular American, like what 
But it, what but exactly it, is the point so there? I agree. It's like your, your dad's right. It was ever thus. It was like in the Cold exactly. War that it was the Soviet Union they were worried about. And That's with right. good reason. It's a nuclear arms state. It's totalitarian. Yeah. It's a threat to the US. It's incredibly concerning. It's not a system that most people in America or Europe would want imposed on them. No. So I completely yeah. understand why they would want to do things like this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like to be tribal about things and I like to see things from one side or the other. But on things like democracy... I'm fairly tribal. It's Me not too. perfect. The US is definitely not perfect. So, so better than... The UK is definitely not perfect, but it's definitely better than something that's approaching what you've got in George Orwell novels. Yeah, we can all agree. Totally. We can all agree so, that we'd rather live here or in the US than even somewhere like China, let alone North Korea. Um, but that it doesn't necessarily follow from that that because we disapprove of the way their country is run, that that therefore. Um, uh, gives us the green light and and condones every other hostile act we do against them. I mean, what what is the what is the point of it ultimately? What are they trying to achieve from this? If not, because Mary to to try and hold China back from its technological development. Well, my view is that the technology is incredibly important these days, and you know, if you've got a, everybody's trying to use tech in one way or the other mm. for in a world of, that's very geopolitical, where people are trying to get influence on other parts of the world, it's 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 hugely important. It's the way we it's, it's arguably the most important sector there is now. Networks are the way that we communicate. They. I mean, all this backdoor stuff, it sounds silly, but yeah, it's a valid concern, I think, that if you can bring down critical infrastructure or even use it just to snoop on other parts of the world and use it to influence the outcome of elections, whatever it might be, then I can understand why they'd be worried about them having... And on the chip side, I think the real concern on the chip side is it's military, yeah? yeah, it's like, yeah. That stuff's military. That's the main reason that... But, but, China, but China doesn't pose any military threat to the States. Well, Taiwan... I think it does. Taiwan is it's, it's potential, but then everyone potentially poses a military threat to the state. So again, I'm I'm getting back to this. Um, you know, we know Taiwan's there, and we know that China has, since day one, insisted that Taiwan's part of China. And incidentally, funnily enough, I think I've said this on the pod before. About a couple of years ago at dinner with Huawei, I was brought up the Taiwan thing, and I was chatting to this um, uh, Chinese woman who works for Huawei, very very intelligent, very highly educated person, and she was going, "Well, the thing is." When Taiwan was formed uh, around the time of the Chinese Civil War, and it was like the bolt hole for the Kuomintang, who were the losers of that civil war, that whole process was massively facilitated by the US, which I didn't know. So you can see why it kind of sticks in their throat well, were, a little bit. The Chinese nationalists were allies of the US in the Second World War. Yeah, right. That's the reason. Okay, and that's the and they were, and they, were the upper, the they were the upper force during the Second World War, and yeah. then the right. communists became more powerful okay, afterwards. Cool. So, yeah. so they well, so they're so much, their allies, basically. And, and let me let me stress. I mean, once you get into the history, it's so convoluted, and there's so many moving parts and, and interconnected things. And I'm not saying, I'm not demonising the US. I quite often have to apologise on this pod, don't I, Mary? Like, oh, I'm not going to go. Like, I know, yeah. But they are. But to. they're the they're the top dogs, and they're also people that we tend to know a I'm lot more about. I'm going to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Is there he's, another one? He's going commando. Another one? Yeah. Oh God, um, yeah. Jeez. Well, well, How got... strong are these? They're six and a half. I, I reckon, uh, I'll I reckon a... you revert to the Hazy J, mate, or we're going to get yeah. no fucking sense out of you, <laughs> or even less. Um, um, you can still use the koozie, so how about it's not, Yeah, it's, yeah. It's very rude. Very below the belt, I think. But... I know. Well, you know, <laughs> you know it's I... at least once a podcast. You, you know, know, it's just a friendly digging. So the one thing I want to jump in, though, a little yeah. bit, and sort of from a, a trade point of view, Yeah. 
That so right now the Chinese economy, while not dying, is under considerable constraints, right? And that concerns me purely from a trade balance point of view, right? We are one of the biggest are, are in balance with China as the U.S. is enormous and has been yeah. for years, and their economy not doing so well. You know, just as a, a business person, you know, I look at you know while you know recession is not a word anybody likes to hear. You know, we, we've had some really bad years here you know between covid and now we have a, we've had an incredible and it hasn't year. really picked up at all we're no. hoping for a bit of an uplift yeah and, happened, but, but there's a lot of fear still right there's yeah. a lot of fear in the markets there's not a lot of confidence i we mean I, like we're just one quarter away from recession all yeah the time, i mean the the you know not not my the company that i i work for uh today but you know through some of the other activities that i'm a part of some some of the other um organizations that i i'm, I'm advising and, and others there's a huge amount of concern you know, so the amount that's being invested, the amount that's being put into private equity, for example, uh, venture capital, there's there's still real concerns and a yeah. lot more diligence that's being provided. And, and some of that, you know, so you'll hear this whole chip discussion. Yeah. And, you know, where is it coming from? And is that going to really, where's the supply chain concerns? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge issue. So I, well, I then do there's think... A, there's another thing which I was going to bring up later in this narrative, but... As it's dangerous. We're nothing, I, you know. we're nothing if not fluid in our narratives on this podcast. It's the iPhone thing. Yeah, the iPhone thing. So China, China's basically gone, and I'm amazed it took them this long to do it. They've basically gone, no one in the public sector can use an iPhone. Yeah. And, you know, and then there's rumors that they're going to escalate that. And, of course, we know that one big difference, although I don't think, again, the difference is as great as sometimes people make out, but one big difference between China and, for example, the UK or the US is that the government has its tentacles in everything. Everything. Yeah, and I believe that. I just think sometimes that's used as distraction for quite how much the mm. pu the public sector has its tentacles in our business. No, that's here probably as well. true. But yeah, let's say it's more so. It's definitely an order order magnitude more. I, I, yeah, I, won't, yeah. I won't deny that. Um, and so, so if the CCP says you can't have it in government buildings, how long before you can't have it everywhere? And then obviously that's that's. You know, I think Apple's share price is already down a little bit. I saw a hilarious bit of CNN journalism where it said Apple has lost two hundred billion dollars. I fucking oh, hate that. Yeah. Just because its share price gone, it hasn't lost anything. Yeah. It's only lost it if it then flops In all its shares. Cap, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Which is, just which finished is a, the sentence. A silly you know? number anyway. Now. Same thing yes. when when Ronaldo at the Euro had the thing with the Coke bottle. Right? That's like, right. Yeah, he moved it away and he said, and "Drink it, water." And, and then Coca-Cola Coca Coca lost billions. Lost. Yeah, I'm like, no, they just... And it recovered it the next yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good headline, though. There was no, that wasn't <laughs> yeah. another headline saying Coca-Cola's all right again. Clickbaity, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Or, or my favourite um, journalistic cliche huh? when they're... Yeah, bloody journalists. <laughs> if only they're all as great as us. Oh, um, but I think uh, they're doing this so Apple keeps making iPhones in China. I think they're seeing them... Or it could just be... This India. Is why I brought I up. It could just be tit for tat, yeah. And I don't think they'll go as far as actually a ban on consumers using it because it would hurt China more, I think. Well, but you don't think they see so. Apple like slowly going to India and making this stuff in India? And then I, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that they're not... Vietnam, I, Vietnam's I, a big manufacturer. If they've manufacturer. got any sense at all, they're going to do that anyway. I think there are... They could, and and they're not even for political reasons. Oh, no, they're doing it already. China's just getting too expensive to make stuff here. That's right. It's got to be so it's got to be dispersed yeah. it's got to be i'm just saying is it like a way of china telling apple like slow down like well it might here be. A little bit more. Well, you might have a point it's a negotiation tactic for sure yeah right i mean you know what's what are they going to pay for what's the because you never know what the deal is yeah because you know there's a deal but, the, but there's you know? a huge amount of discontent in china at the moment you know like you were saying like i, I mean i'm less worried about the whole 
Taiwan China thing at the moment than I was China. because I think they've got so many problems at home. Although you never know, countries with problems at home sometimes do. Well, that's do, kind of it's like uh, that it's like the they, wolf kind of thing. In yeah, the well, they they're, need to generate. A they're an export-driven economy that's, that's right. all of a sudden trying to cut themselves off from certain parts of the world, all being cut off, and they don't have that. Even though everybody goes on about the Chinese middle class, they've still got a huge rural population yeah. that. They mm. just basically that can't afford anything, so they farmers. can't they can't move the stuff that they produce there and go. Well, we can sell it domestically instead. And meanwhile, they're doing things like almost like people. You know, if you want to cut off iPhones from people in China, where they're probably supporting Chinese apps and all sorts of things, totally. and people are just going to be really pissed off about that. And they're already yeah. pissed off in China. Exactly. So I I don't think they're in a good sort of. That's not a good bargaining thing for them to do. It's all precarious, but you wouldn't put it past them. No, I wouldn't. Accelerating no, I wouldn't, that I wouldn't, anyway. I wouldn't put anything past anyone well, at the moment. Well, Xi Jinping yeah. is not at the G20 in Delhi um, right now. It's the first time he hasn't attended. Right, oh, really? I didn't even yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's his number two. The right. president's there. And yeah. So that's got a lot of speculation. But there's another the markets, tangent you know. on all that. Like, There's been quite a lot of stuff in the press about um, a sort of um, BRICS um, block that are yeah. getting a, getting a little bit more confident and a bit bigger, and they're I don't know to if expand. we really even call them bricks anymore. I, I no, think that's just a, such a nonsense term. Yeah, so so, just so people know, bricks was originally stood for Brazil, Russia, India, India China, South Africa. Yeah, all those countries that have so much in common with one another. Yeah, well, the thing they supposedly have in common. I mean, you know, <laughs> when people are doing these geopolitical like segmentations, they're always very crude. But yeah. the point of this is, is, is that this, the point is, is that they're poor. Yeah, well, poor but very populous. I mean, yeah. that was basically yeah. what they in common. Like, you can have bricks with two eyes and lob Indonesia in there. I mean, it was one of those um, opportunistic things, I think, by business people who thought, hmm, but there's a lot of people financial in these countries. Let's try and, yeah, financial yeah. analysts, let's they try and sell. Because then they can just create a little silo. Well, all this said, I mean, yeah. what it really was uh, when they first came up with it was, oh, my God, look at these huge, untapped, undeveloped markets. Let's yeah. exploit them. And let's just, yeah, totally. you know, so that's when you had, before, what is India's <laughs> well, uh, Nigeria has, right now? Is it less than yeah, two Yeah, Nigeria bucks, should right? be in there. 280 yeah. million people. Nigeria's got a silly amount of people. Yeah. So well, we should, they should be brinks. Anyway, as you say, it's expanding all the time. But that was part of what was going on. There's this, like, them inviting more people Did you say in. brinks? With the, with the Nigeria. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I didn't realise Nigeria was so populous. It's it's really populous. Were, yeah. The thing the other day with it up is one of the Essentially in two cities. Yeah, is Nairobi. It, it, yeah. Just must I'm be, sure it was like a hundred million. Have you ever been to Nairobi? So they must have been. And, and <laughs> the closest, the two places yeah. that are closest to like a developing world <laughs> mega city I've been to are Mexico City and um, Delhi. And they were both pretty hectic. And I imagine they yeah, have been to those right two. There, yeah. Oh, They're Mexico mad. went from the plane. Mexico just doesn't end. Yeah. Carries on. Mexico City. Yeah, yeah. It's over the. It feels hill. like you can't get out of it when you're on a bus trying to leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you go through favelas and all that sort of thing. Another place that was like that was Shanghai. That time when we went to Wujen, and then it just kept going. And yeah. the, the high rises, they were still building high rises like several miles outside the city. You're thinking if I was in the UK now, I'd be in Edinburgh. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's just this <laughs> endless. It it's, like, so, been. it's like something out of Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's true. yeah. Anyway, um, we digress. Yeah. So, yeah, just staring it back. The, the tourist board's going to be writing to us, you know. <laughs> Well, I was joking. Um, I was out um, having a drink with Huawei uh, earlier on this week, and I was chatting to uh, our contact there, Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl, if you're listening, who's going back to Shenzhen. And and she was always going, because I sort of say on the pod that I'd, I'd shit myself going to China a little bit, because I sometimes take the piss out of Xi Jinping. I think you kind and, of want somebody to come after you. Now. Well, I, I know. And, and, I, you know I, and it sounds incredibly over-dramatizing and self-aggrandizing. But, and, and Cheryl was going, oh, come on. And I was like, look, seriously, joking aside, my biggest thing is not anything I've done personally. Of course, Xi Jinping doesn't keep a list of people who've taken a piss out of him on obscure podcasts. Well, you say that. But, um, or does say that. But 
No, but but back to the like the core thing of like US versus China is, you know, people start um, citizens of countries that are belligerent towards each other start getting used as proxies sometimes, and it could just be bad luck. Like, like we had that thing with those Canadians when they were trying to lock oh, up yeah. um, Meng from yeah. Huawei. Yeah. Um, and you know we had a thing like my wife's Iranian, and so we we felt a sort of degree of personal emotional investment in um, Nazanin Zakari Radcliffe, yeah. who's this Anglo-Iranian woman who was imprisoned there for ages on supposed spying charges that seem to be. You know, the, you know the Canadians. One of them is very friendly with John, mentioning John again. Yeah, he's incredibly well connected. It. John, I have to say, he, he, is. he really <laughs> is. remind everybody who John is. John, John Strand. Strand. Yeah. He watches this. So we yeah. don't need to. Re- re- He'll be loving this. We're, He'll be loving we're the always mention. bringing him up more than you, he should be brought up. You, you but, do bring uh, him up, but I'm just like. But he's very I know well it's strand, but I'm but, gonna uh, say know he, he knows one of the uh, he knows one of the Canadian wow. guys. I think he's writing a book oh, on, wow. on the experience. I think he's writing a book if he's not already written it. So. Yeah. So that that's all. I just get a little bit twitchy when I wonder who else when you who else wrote a book. <laughs> who else Someone wrote a book? in this room wrote a book. <laughs> I, I I think so. The the sub best selling identity <laughs> crisis. Um. Yeah, I think that's just it. When when countries start getting more and more belligerent with each other, you just worry about collateral damage, that's all. But anyway, um, steering it back, this is a classic telecoms.com podcast, massive tangent <laughs> of about 15 or 20 minutes. Steering it back to this story, but it was relevant to frame the story. China, so they come out with this May phone, um, and the thing about it is Huawei's not really supposed to be able to do phones, at least not decent ones, because of all the stuff that we've just been talking about. America's specifically been trying to block it um, not just from getting hold of American intellectual property, which includes important companies like Applied Materials who make the gear that goes into chip fabs, um, but also putting um, diplomatic pressure on countries like Taiwan to get TSMC, which is the preeminent um, third-party chip maker in the world, stop them from working with them. And as we were saying earlier, so not only can they not get hold of Qualcomm, maybe they haven't used Qualcomm application processes they, for a while. They don't need they, Qualcomm. Which is hard to say. But they might have used their modems or someone's modems because the whole modem they, situation... They, they compete against Qualcomm in that market. But you say iSilicon makes 5G modems. They have radio front-end stuff in their okay, phones. fair enough. We just don't know to what extent how good it is. But it's highly regarded. High silicon basically makes all its own silicon that goes into Huawei equipment, whether devices or... Because I always understood the modem was harder. Like, you know, with Apple, they're always trying to decouple themselves from Qualcomm, aren't they? Yeah. And, they, and they're actually very good at making their own application process, all the ones that go in the laptops and all yeah. that sort of thing. But they still hadn't got the hang of doing the modems. No, I don't think that's... So I just got the impression the modems was an order of magnitude harder. The big issue for Huawei, the big thing that was most um, awkward for them was being cut off from the foundries that make cutting-edge chips. Yeah, I think the chip is... That was was the big issue for them. It wasn't a lack of the design ability or... I I read Robert Clark's article. He said it's it's still 7 nanometer. Yeah, at best. It's a 7 nanometer chip. On that that mate. So that's that's what... Yeah, that's what they reckon. And it's too big, I think is what... What we're trying to say, yeah. right? It, it, they said there's some well, potentially overheating issues. I still think it's I, I, I haven't I haven't read the same stuff that Ian has on the modem no, side. Ian I don't know if they have the big. capability. It's not too big. Okay. Well, it, it's 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 a competitive thing. So the, the very the the very smallest manufacturing process you can do now is three nanometers. Uh, those aren't available commercially. No, but TSMC is doing them. Yeah. So let's say it's four or five. It's then. five at the moment. That's yeah. what I thought the, it was. Most five. advanced phones. Um, so, so in that case, it's only one generation behind, which yeah. isn't bad. Yeah. I mean, the, the other questions that go on. So the big um, chip fab in China is called SMIC, 
Um, and the big question is whether SMIC, A, has just the capability full stop, and B, can get the kit from people like Applied Materials, but they will have stockpiled a lot while America was ramping up this agro. Mm. Basically, whether they have the capability to produce a, to produce 7 nanometer at all, and B, to produce it in an economically viable way. So that's what comes down to what is the essence of this um, Mate 60 Pro story, is it seems quite likely because um, uh, Bloomberg partnered up with a company that specializes in what they call teardowns, are you getting hold of, uh, breaking, um, breaking into bits of kit and working out what it's made of. Mm. And they did a teardown and went, yeah, this does look like SMIC 7 nanometer. Mm. Yeah, but I was stunned that people were like this Bloomberg revelation. Oh, there's a seven nanometer chip in it. Yeah, and like everybody's like, oh my god, China's got self sufficiency, and it shows that Huawei's recovered. So SMIC showcased a seven nanometer chip a year ago. Right. Um, in July, we I remember writing about it at the time. Um, they they can do that the the thing also applied materials has got nothing to do with it that's not the pro and it's not actually us sanctions that are the problem for them it's the lack of dutch export licenses that are the problem from, F from for smic for ASML. which allow asml which is a company that does lithography tell us about asml asml does um ultraviolet lithography extreme equipment. well it does, does the all EUV, forms of, but the uh, ev is the, the the most cutting edge one yeah isn't so it? it does ultraviolet lithography which is basically it's almost like taking a photograph on the uh, on the actual silicon wafer that, impr that imprints the, mm -hmm. the, the... It's almost the like old-school really, like film photography. It's, but incredibly, it's incredibly sophisticated, yeah, yeah. and it, ta it took them years to... And they cut almost... ASML has this almost by accident. There's a really good book called... They got a monopoly, uh, Chip War by Chris Miller about how... Mm. They used to be part of Philips. They had things to do with oh, TSMC wow. in the past. Um, the US lost a lot of its lithography expertise. It ended up going to ASML. But the idea that ASML has just done this off its own back, it's actually been a bit of an international collaboration to actually get the capability that it's got. But they're the only company in the world that has extreme ultraviolet lithography. There are other ones that do um, an older version called deep ultraviolet lithography. Canon does that in Japan mm. and Nikon does that. They're the other two main ones. And... EUVs are cutting edge stuff, and they have a one hundred percent monopoly yeah. on the world. Basically, if you're not working with ASML, you're so, not doing it. But you, so EUV, the the misconception is that you need EUV technology to do seven nanometer chips and smaller, five nanometer chips, and so they're most advanced stuff. And you don't. You don't, but you have to use something called double patterning when you're doing it, which oh. basically makes it very hard to produce chips in, in at scale. Okay. And to do it economically. And therefore, like double IPA. And therefore, a Bloomberg <laughs> dissection of a Huawei phone showing that there's a seven nanometer chip inside it doesn't prove that Huawei can ship can you know massive quantities of this Mate phone that yeah. includes seven nanometer chips and do it in an economical so that's what, way. They've definitely got it from SMIC because they can't buy from TSMC anymore. Right. Yeah, and SMIC showed that it had this seven nanometer right, capability, but they're probably doing. They've been able to buy DUV equipment because the Dutch right. export restrictions on DUV didn't come into which force until... Which is the deep one versus the deep. ultra. So they didn't come into play until a few months ago. They're not quite the top end. And they've, they've, they stockpiled a lot of DUV equipment. So they can do double patterning and produce seven nanometer chips. But to be able to do that economically and yeah. produce this in the millions... The so that's what's the fear, I guess? What's the fear associated with... If they can do this, I guess, you know, one, okay, gosh, it's not the best, but it is seven millimeter or nanometer. What, What's so, the problem? So the, the, I mean, the fear is, um, and, and just to I, quickly finish off what, what Ian was saying, because I, I was leading up to that as well. 
a lot of stuff when you're talking about um, semiconductor manufacturing is a lot of it is about yield. So you know you see oh, those I pictures. I totally get that. But I'm just yeah, gonna, and, asking a question about. And so the big question that's unanswered, and then I'll I'll lead it. <laughs> well, know, but really but it is relevant. yield just means doing a lot of oh, them no, at but, low cost. But it is but relevant because if SMIC can do can can let's say do a massive seven nanometer wafer, but not many of the chips on it are viable. Yeah. Then that's yeah. one thing. But if you can do a great big wafer and most of them are viable, which is what TSMC then it's competitive that's thing. again. But to, but to be able to do that, so this is why it's a big deal. To be able to do that economically, um, for a start, it means so Huawei, the reason Huawei is struggling is because its smartphone business collapsed. Right. So for a start, it would be a massive recovery for Huawei if they were able to ship this phone at, ma at scale. They would, they would, they, you'd expect there to be some kind of pickup. In, right. in capability. Sure. And the other thing is that if they can do it that way, it would show they've got EUV capability. And EUV is the stuff that you use in... That's the that's the thing the Americans don't want them to have access to because it's considered uh, to be... That's the fear. Well, they don't want well, cutting-edge technology broader, because that's the stuff that goes okay. into military applications sure. as well okay. and things like that. So, okay. so the broader answer to your question is what, how, which is why the framing that we were just banging on about a minute ago was important, mm. okay. is... The U.S. thinks, and this is something that I wonder whether it's actually possible, it thinks it can sort of close Pandora's box or put the genie back a bottle or whatever is the most appropriate sort of metaphor. It thinks it can completely exclude China from a certain strata, a certain sort of tranche of the technological world. And like, I'm going to just show you something and I'll describe it to our audience. There's a political cartoon published by the Global Times, which is basically... You know, <laughs> heavily heavily influenced by the Chinese Communist Party, the Global Times doesn't publish anything that the CCP doesn't approve, and it's a political cartoon that shows a, a Huawei um, car driving through a blockade, uh, a roadblock, and and they've written on it "Tech Chokehold," and then there's an exasperated looking Uncle Sam yeah. by the side. It's very not. It's not attractive. It's not Uncle subtle. Sam. It's not subtle, is it? Um, but this so, is very helpful to now understand. So that is the framing from a Chinese point of view. It's them basically going up yours. But, but I, I but thought the making... mainstream press misinterpreted it because it I thought like there was a, a leap, there right? was a lot of stuff in the press going around earlier in the week from people like Bloomberg who did the teardown mm. and some analysts going, "Oh, it shows that China is working towards self sufficiency and that Huawei is kind of back." And I just thought. It doesn't show anything of the sort. It shows they're using an SMIC chip that was produced a year ago D. in one phone. Right. That they've yeah. they're not started. So this is something they've shown off to some journalists at the time when a few big events were going on, like G20. Yeah. It's symbolic it's like rather a than substantial. Fuck you, America, kind of thing. Look what yeah. we can but do. That's why when they, they asked that. Huawei, "How did you do this?" They kind of evasive. And they well, go, I was out. Totally well, we evasive. didn't do anything. Totally actually. I mean, I was out of them on Tuesday, and you know, I mean, everything was off the record, so I'm not going to name any individuals. But I asked a few people, I was like, "What's going on?" And they went. Honestly, I haven't got a clue, and I believe them. I don't yeah. think they were just keeping their cars close to their chest. I think this has been a strategic thing happening very much. While G20's gone on. At a Chinese level. Um, and to be fair to China, it's, to be fair to Huawei, it's not like they made a big noise about it. But then when you suddenly see things like the Global Times have got these political satirical cartoons queued up, you, you can tell, I mean, Mary, you know this better than us, you're a professional marketer. This this, this isn't coincidence, is it? This is no. This is coordinated. No, I mean, and they want... I mean, go further than that, right? They're going to publish a, an article or a cartoon like that, and they've made this announcement during the G20, and they're specifically, you know, giving the bird to the U.S., right? Mm. And they're doing the iPhone thing at the and same And they're doing time. the iPhone at the same thing. What's the? What I always come to is, you know, what's their end game? Because they know that they're handing indicators yeah. to the market to yeah. say— this means potentially this. International Ooh. sympathy, maybe? I don't know. I mean, to who? 
I mean, I, it's, you know, the market doesn't care, as in the street doesn't care. If the market itself, as in the consumer, right, starts buying these phones, then, you know. I don't think they're going to make them available outside China. Yeah, well. Well, they probably, I mean, we don't even know. We don't, what, they, what they're all these stories, are they sold out, but they might only have I just five. Find it fascinating. Why, what is, that to me is always the interesting question. What's the, the end game? The, yeah, the, the other thing point. is, like, um, you know, if they can, let's say they can, I mean, I'd be very surprised because this is just from talking to other people who actually know about semiconductors. I don't mm. know enough, but I've spent a lot of time over the last year trying to talk to people about things like EUV, mm -hmm. and they all think that it, it's uh, because it took so because it's so complicated and it took um, ASML. It's almost an accident that ASML has that and Came nobody else that. does. Sure. And Canon and Nikon don't, and it's very very uh, the the experts say it would take China years to have the same capability. So it'd be a big surprise if they have EUV capability on a domestic level, which means that to produce these seven nanometer chips at scale yeah. and do it economically because of the, the yield issue that Scott was talking about is going to be incredibly difficult. If they could, then great. But if they can't, then... You know, what people are going to people are going to go out and buy. I mean, it's not as though there's a shortage of other Chinese handsets yeah. for Chinese consumers to go yeah. and buy anyway yeah. these days. You can go and get Oppo stuff why and, did, why did and Xiaomi. The, and, uh, why did Bloomberg you know, do the teardown to begin with? Well, oh, I think the teardown was good. It's you want totally to do a tear? No, 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 the teardown's I mean, great. They did a teardown of this, right? Yeah. So again, well, you've already yeah, got Xiaomi probably, and you've already got some of these in Oppo. Yeah, they did it to inform. Well, they probably did it because Huawei went, do a teardown of this because you'll find it really interesting. Yeah, see, I mean, again, it could have been that. Up, it could have been right? that. But, I, but even if they didn't, um, you know, it's been the, one of the reasons we're bringing it up, it's been by far the most read story on telecoms.com. fascinating. There's, there's just massive interest in this. Yeah, well, I, and and I it's totally. Been, and it's because it yeah. informs this broader US versus China. It wasn't our most read story. Our most read story was T Mobile buying US cellular. Right, which they haven't I done. Which they haven't done, but they talked about, which Mike covered. But the stuff was, on, was he early on it? I don't know if he was earlier, but he got loads of traffic. I mean, the, the stuff that the T-Mobile is doing at the moment, some of the Spectrum stuff gets like yeah. ridiculous traffic at yeah, the moment. It always makes me feel slightly inadequate when I see some of Mike's things. Because <laughs> a lot of our readers are in the US, obviously, unlike yeah, reading. Yeah, no, Mike like, oh my God, a lot of the US. Yeah. 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 But yeah, well, people are much more interested in that. Because I think this, this the trouble a, with this is that, cool. you know, like Bloomberg's been a, been doing the teardown and it's I'm coming to it and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Because they've already done the teardown and they've done the, they've mm. done the, yeah, you see, I've so got less pride. I'll, than... take, I'll take whatever journalistic reads I can get. So yeah. I, I can only come at it and be an opinionated moron. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> welcome no. to my world, Ian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. No, I, I, I think it's just interesting to look at the signs of the very convenient teardown, finding the seven millimeter or nanometer, having the announcement be this week. You know, just, yeah. just, you know, just all of these things. What's the end game? Because so it's clearly... Funny, the way um, Bloomberg yeah. framed it, and they've got a um, writer who I don't know, but I, I've bumped into because he's been a tech journalist forever called sure. Vlad Savov. And he's great now with Bloomberg. Name. Yeah, right? great name. Totally. Um, I'm surprised he gets away with a name like that in the Does States. He, at the moment. pale people on stakes in, <laughs> yeah. in Romania. No, he's... Vlad, the tech journalist, doesn't have quite the same no, it does not. ring to it, does it? No. Mm -mm. Um, but no, but he's always, he used to be like an Engadget and stuff. He's a very experienced tech journalist. And he was, he was one of the people who did this for Bloomberg. And the way they framed it is that they sort of smuggled this thing out of right. China. Okay. Um, now, if we take it at face value, that's fine. I mean, the journalistic stuff, I thought, yeah, totally. Oh, sure. I mean, to be the only people who've actually got hold of it and yeah. to have got a partner who has the expertise to I'd have done it take it to pieces. Totally get it. 
Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, I think I actually think we, you know, we do agree in that it's symbolic. It's not commercially significant, this. Yeah. But it enables cartoons like the one I showed you. It enables them to go up yours, America, with respect to your question of, you know, what's the big picture? What's the end game? What's the end game? I think, you know, they've got people, they've got useful idiots like me who are sympathetic towards them to a certain degree just because I think and, and, and I'll go off if you just indulge me I'll go off on, on my little segue of why I actually don't think this serves American interests mm. because I think the US has got to a stage now where it it's throwing its weight around so much in things like this things like um, freezing Russian assets when they invaded Ukraine which you could argue well Russians are the baddies everything's fair game but because the, the US is the keeper of the global reserve currency, once it starts exploiting that position to freeze assets just because they happen to be denominated in dollars, then you're going to get other people thinking, okay, so if we piss off the Yanks, are they going to freeze our shit as well? The problem is I think America is overextending itself and it's alienating too many people, which is where this BRIC stuff comes up. Mm. And, you know, America... Obviously, I'd rather, if anyone's got to be the world's top dog, I'd rather it's America than China. I'd rather it's America than Russia. I'd rather it's America than most places uh, for all its for all its sort of inefficiencies and flaws. And I'd rather it was the United States. We should still rule the world. Well, there we go. We were born about 200 years too late, weren't we? Um, um, but I, th I think it's actually sabotaging itself. I think it's it's sticking its neck out too far and it's alienating too many people. And and in that way, it's playing into China's hands. This is what I think, to your question, mm. what I think China's doing. It's a sympathy game. And they're basically going, well, look, you know, we've tried this. America's tried to shit on us. This is our little effort. And look at them now. America's probably going to overreact. I mean, to take it in a slightly macabre direction, do you remember the the accepted rationale behind 9-11, um, uh, which was that Osama bin Laden thought that by doing something as atrocious as that, he would force America to overreact. And then we got Iraq and we got Afghanistan and all that sort of thing. And, and we, in hindsight, obviously 20 years hindsight, we can say that, didn't, that wasn't, didn't necessarily go that well for the States, at least in terms of just the amount of money it blew on fuck all. And, and I just, yeah, I just wonder whether... America's making that mistake again. It's overreacting. It's perceiving a perfectly credible, legitimate geopolitical threat in China, but it's just overdoing the Team America World Police thing. Have you ever seen that film? Yeah. yeah it's just overdoing that fuck yeah stuff. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And I don't well, know I, if it's going to end that well for the States, let alone everyone else. I think they, I agree with you on the, on the reaction to 9-11 totally. I think they got that looking back on it now. It's easy to say in hindsight, isn't it? But... I mean, they've pulled out of Afghanistan and the Taliban are back again. Iraq was a disaster. And yeah, probably, so the broader thing, is, that, that's just, know, so the broader and, thing and, I think, is, is a lack of subtlety. And you have other terrorist groups that could probably do the same thing again. So it's, it's just, not it's, really got them anywhere. But I think on geopolitics is an awkward one, the way countries sort of play off against each other. Yeah, I think, it, totally. you know, it's it's not the same as dealing with a terrorist organisation. It's it's different. And like you, I mean, your dad made a good point. It's been going on forever. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's always, it's always that way. And they, I don't think this is anything especially new, really. I think there's always been. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I wonder what the end game is of the of the sanctions, further to Mary's point. I mean, are they going to try and keep uh, sort of America, uh, China suppressed indefinitely? I just don't see how that's possible. I just, for me, the end game of just this particular week's play. Yeah. Right. This this hand that they're you know that they're playing right now. Right. What are the cards really? 
what's the purpose of them? You know, and that's yeah. that's really, you know, that's why I think this is so interesting. This particular story, this particular time, the teardown of this smuggled out device. It's just all very convenient. Now yeah, you're yeah. Smuggled out. Yeah, you know, and so. And I you're someone think, who knows yeah. about marketing and messaging yeah, at a high level. So. And then that cartoon, gee, and then asking the question, all right, who exactly are they saying is going to feel badly for them? What they need is a, you know. Do you reckon they wrote that headline before it was smuggled out? It could have been. Well, I mean, I've, you know, I mean, I've got to show you, too, another thing that I got from my previous story, which was a tweet. Um, it also coincided with a senior American diplomat called Gina Raimondo going over there. And, Gina Raimondo, and, isn't she involved in Open Ran? Someone had queued this up within seconds of the thing coming out. Uh, and I think it, it says something like... I'm um, Raimondo. Oh, yeah, this time, I endorse Huawei. Chinese parody ad of Huawei Mate 60 Pro, which just released with 100% Chinese-made components. Yeah. Mate 60, or Mate 60, yeah. debuted just as U.S. Yeah, Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo visited China. So this was a, this was, this was a tweet um, where someone had just spliced it, together the marketing it, for the Mate 60 Pro with a, with a, with a um, portrait of Raimondo. <laughs> anyway, so you're completely right mary this is obviously part of a much bigger much bigger play. thing exactly there's and, a bigger play here and i've got to say i mean i'm and i'm going to move it on because i've done my usual thing of letting the first thing go on far too long and we've only got about like 30 minutes or so left <laughs> um i would say i i deeply regret all the general fuckery i just wish everyone would just calm down and de-escalate <laughs> and and just let everyone go on with making money and going on holidays and getting pissed at the weekend and just normal, as, as i say many times stuff. when listening to the pod the two of you should just be and, and Pierre taking care of the whole thing should just be managing all diplomat, you know, well, diplomatic quite. relations quite. globally over some beers and I'll be fine. And, and the only thing i got to <laughs> say... i do you realise that. And the other people need I know, to well, as well. I do, man. Every time I'm like, the, they should just be sorting all this out. The, 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 the long campaign for us to be world president starts here. Um, but then on the flip side, I'm from a professional point Winston of view... If, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Boy. Yeah. Ray Winston. Yeah. And I call Oi. you she. <laughs> Boy, Biden, watch your fucking Daddy manners. Daddy Ping. Yeah. Daddy Ping. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, from a professional point of view, if they didn't do this, we wouldn't have all this cool shit well, to there you about go, exactly. and pontificate about on the pod. So there we are. All right, I'll put a full stop in it there. What is the next thing we're going to chat about? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand over to Ian, not least because I've been doing far too much talking. Um, you, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on with Open Ran. Did, were you laughing? Did he give you a look of like, like yeah. oh, God, I'm going to talk now? Oh, right. I thought no, you let's talk I thought about you after having had a couple of rock doves. And uh, what's this one? Spark bird. Spark yes. bird. Yeah, just just stay clear of the wingspan, mate. I'll fuck you up. <laughs> um, so open ran. Open ran. So you've been writing a lot about open ran. I've written a bit, but I'm going to defer to you on this. What What's the open ran angle at the moment? The open ran angle at the moment is that it's not been a very good year for open ran, really. I think mm -hmm. I think that's the, the, the broad thing. It's not actually been a very good year for ran this right. year so far. Hmm. So, well, telecoms, for that matter. It's not been a very good year for telecoms. <laughs> and, but we've still got um, And the RAN market is quite, um, like the projections are quite down for what the year is going to look like. And Ericsson's, which is obviously all RAN really, apart from some stuff that it does with Von Hodge and a couple of bits of software Bit of that, they, that they can't sell. It's basically all, all RAN. And their results were quite badly down in the first half. And then Nokia was... Doing okay, I think, because of work in India, but basically saying the whole year is not quite going to be as good as we thought it India's was. India's propping up the sort of... India's Ericsson propping up. So, so, the, world, so the main it? reason is that um, there was apparently a lot of stockpiling going on, you know, during the um, during those years of 
COVID. Well, and supply chain. Um, and supply chain yeah. problems. I mean, I, people were, absolutely. Yep. If you yep. could get it, you bought it, you yep. put it on the shelf. And the totally. chip thing, let's not forget, it's been going on for years, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, the chip thing is one thing, but just about every... If, if there is a, a piece of kit that you needed to have and you knew you needed to have it, right. and that's across everything that I I'm, I talk to. That's interesting. Everything. So in people every are like, sector. Yeah. People are abandoning the just-in-time and they're oh, yeah. piling From a lot more. Automobiles to uh, just sheer fa- manufacturing to... And why is that? Is that because of the pandemic, primarily? Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, I, I we personally had stuff stuck in one of those ships that was parked off of the Chesapeake Bay. You know, we could probably have seen the unit that had our... Get hold we of couldn't it. get it. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, it, it's a... It, you it's, know, been, it's been tough. It's been very difficult. And, and, and then they've cut spending as well, the big US carriers, which I think is where the, most of the profits are for people like Ericsson knocking Yeah, because, I mean, I'll tell you, um, the unit pricing in India is not helping them. No, There's no way totally, it can be. Yeah. Right? They may be used, moving no, the yeah, units. Yeah, you're totally right. But yeah, they're not but getting a fraction yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah. And they admit, they admit that. They do it. Yeah, they have to. So the market's not good. And then, so Open RAN was obviously going to be affected because it's part of the broader RAN market. But mm-hmm. I think one of the problems, there's other issues that Open RAN's having, I think. And um, some of the smaller, they are, I mean, one of the ideas of Open RAN is that it was sort of boys specialists and, you know, yeah. smaller companies who were who focused on one particular area. And um, uh, some of them are what are they? And they're not doing very well. So we have the, I mean, the two most prominent ones, I think, or the three most prominent ones, um, very much on the software side, because it gets made out to be a software thing. We're all U.S. companies. They were. Um, they, they used to be the sort of three, the, the, the three names that always got thrown out were Altio Star, uh, Mavenir, and Parallel Wireless. Yeah, and and they've Parallel all had a, had a wobble. A they've while all had back, a pretty they? disastrous um, last sort of couple of years. I mean, Parallel yeah. ended up de- depending on who you listen to in terms of um, the numbers, but they they sort of laid off anywhere between kind of thirty and fifty percent of their of their um, employee base. And then you don't really hear very much about them anymore, actually. actually. No. I mean, they are still going. And I think Mike, uh, like reading, did a did a story where he'd, he'd spoken to Steve Papa, who's the CEO, mm. but they're very, they're clearly just not where they were. They were, they were. they were viewed as one of the kind of contenders for mm. doing stuff with people like Vodafone in the UK. They were involved with trials with them and in Ireland. And they don't really show up anywhere that, these days. Nobody I know is talking about them. Um, Altiostar got bought by Rakuten, right? Uh, and we know the story on them. Yeah, and <laughs> so so they so they're yeah, two, they're not two, having a great time either. No, they have uh-huh. two roles within Rakuten. They provide the software for Rakuten's own network in Japan, which still only has about five million subscribers. It's only about that big. Oh, where, in a market where KDDI. the market leader's got eighty-five million. Yeah. And um, and then the other role is to actually sell that software to other carriers in the world through Rakuten Symphony. Well, they're 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 tiny. I mean, their revenues are. In the in the sort of hundred million range, which is uh, for, for still a, probably for, for a generous period. Yeah. Well, they they put their addressable market a few years ago in twenty twenty two at something like one hundred billion, and they're selling a hundred million worth of kit in uh, not kit products in a, a six month period. Yeah. Um, and and their sales went down. You know, it's yeah. it's been quite choppy as it would be as a startup. You know, you win a deal and it totally. can boost things, and then it can be a bad quarter. But the year-on-year comparison doesn't look good for the first six months compared with last year. And then I think the whole thing's just there are all these issues I think that still haven't been resolved to do with systems integrations. A big one, uh, the suitability of the specs for massive MIMO is is something that. I didn't even know that much about until earlier this year and then wrote a big piece on it a few weeks ago that apparently it seems the O-Ran Alliance spec for um, uh, 7.2X that it's called the Open Front Hall spec just doesn't really work for massive MIMO and 
It was, it was, it was. Sounds it, like an issue. Well, it was, it was made, very much made out when you talked to smaller companies about it. They were like, oh, that's just Ericsson's line. It's very much Ericsson uh, complaining Ericsson about it. talking point. And then when I dug into it a bit more, it wasn't just Ericsson. Like Qualcomm was raising issues. Orange, very much more important because it's a service provider, was raising yeah. concerns. So they've now, they've now come up with these workarounds um, to improve it. But they, there's big compromises involved in what they're doing that almost add cost back in and make it more difficult to actually use different equipment. Which is so completely um, contradictory to its entire premise it, it, to course, begin with. Of course, the entire purpose was you use a different radio from a, from the baseband person. And, right. um, and if you're in a situation where interoperability between the two of them becomes more difficult because of that massive MIMO. And by the way, massive MIMO a few years ago was viewed as this thing, oh, we might need it in city centres or where yeah. there's a lot of traffic. Now, apparently, it just shows up everywhere in RFPs. I think... Um, T-Mobile Netherlands has like 70% of its network is based on massive MIMO or something. So in more densely populated countries, you're going to use it widely. And it's Why probably, yeah. So it's a, so it's unsuitability. I always thought massive. it was just baked into like the, the premise of 5G. The, the fat, I thought always thought of massive MIMO as just a fatter pipe. 32TR and 64TR, which are the ones that are sort of considered massive MIMO, were never envisaged as going everywhere back oh, in okay. the early days of 5G. It was, and then, but it's still a part of the standard. Yeah. That's the key. Right. The Overend Alliance was never a standards body. Yeah. Yeah. It's a you know? body. So Ian and I have agonized over you, standards you have, and But I mean, legitimately, and this is where I've, I've always had a real issue with when it came out of the gate and the premise of it, I thought, if this is really serious, why is this not a subheading of what's happening in 3GPP? Yeah. Yeah. yeah good point. You know, if this was really something that was going to provide efficiency, because while 3GPP has had some longstanding, we know the players that are sitting at those tables, we know yeah. what their desires are, but they also know the benefit of the standard because it gives them the kind of yield that they want to have and they can build at scale. It's not against their interest to be building something that they know the guy next door is going to build at the same exact standard, yeah. right? It's part of what, what they do. So to build something in a separate to define something in a separate organization by effectively the same players that are in 3GPP, yeah. plus a few that are teeny that don't have enough voice. Yeah. Because that's what it's, this is about, is that those smaller players didn't have enough weight that inside of 3GPP yeah. and said, okay, let's figure out how do we create another yeah. little community. Oh, but by the way, we don't really have a standards-making activity. <laughs> so we're going to come up with these specs that are guidelines and try and nudge it. It's a little bit like in, um, I don't know, like in political processes where you get fringe parties that are never going to win. win. They're trying to influence but, the but, narrative. Yeah, yeah. The, so The problem with me is the philosophy of it is yeah. this idea, because it's become very religious that we have to have Which openness I find a for, for some people, not everybody. But like you, you can... You can you can go as granular as you want on openness. Yeah. At some point, some things have to be linked together. And, but you've made uh, a very good point in the past couple potentially, podcasts. Potentially, yeah. maybe they don't, but maybe they do. But at the end, of, but at the end of the day, if it becomes so difficult to divorce the radio unit from the baseband unit, um, you know, and when you're trying to combine two separate players, that it's very technically challenging and it's going to be more expensive. Then why Forget would you do it? it. You just go. It's like buying. You know, it's like having the same it's wheel from a Google the, from and the an a Amazon. Two like little voice speakers, right? And you're trying to get make them both work in your yeah. house, and you're like, I'm never going to do this because yeah. the incentives or, are all fucked up. Or, well, it's, or, or maybe it's just a recognition that some things have to go together. That's you, right. you buy you buy a cut a Tesla, and the wheels are made by Tesla. And if you right. take a Volkswagen wheel off and try to put it on, it isn't going to work. And it's like I just feel sometimes this openness thing is such a 
it's become such a religious thing for some people that they're trying to, well, they're tying themselves in knots to get to a situation they're absolutely. probably never going to get to. And I understand, you know, for a long time in the technology industry, right, we've, we've really gone with um, open application, right, and APIs, you know, yeah. so how do you have a an opportunity to have integration while at the same time you are keeping your stuff private and it's still intellectually yours, but I want to be able to integrate with you. So the whole idea of an API came about because of that. And the whole idea of having an, an open sourced approach to things, there's a great deal that's been put in the technology community around the term open. I think they just simply ran and you know, ran ran on top of that yeah. to essentially leverage that whole concept. But and this this is where I, I get really frustrated. I mean, look, we have not had significant growth in the core business of the mobile operator since what, 2017, 2016? You're talking about operators? Operate, CSPs, right? Bottom yeah. line, where have they had actual growth where there's still yeah, yeah. penetration? So we're talking about, you know, that long ago. And in that point, we were still in LTE. You know, we're talking about yeah. 5G, but we had good core there's networks. Definitely be no uptick in LTE. At all. No. And so these same players trying to get into the open RAN and, and create open RAN, you know, this is this was so apparent to me, you know, in some of the roles that I had and what was happening in the industry. All these operators can do right now is cut cost. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. And, and that's, that's another thing. I mean, we won't get down that rabbit hole, but, but you but and I talk about is, it a lot. Is that the constant sort of asset stripping and... But they have no other choice. So why are they... If this is not working... Well, well, I've got an answer to that. It's going to sound like I'm picking on you because you're, oh, you, you're American. Well, it is because it's actually related to segment one. I mean, this is part of it. I mean, Ian, by all means, butt in and, and tell me I'm over. No, because I was going to say this. Probably what oh, okay. I was going to say. Oh, well, okay. Well, okay. well you, you elaborate. Because then we are really I'll, wrong. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the top line and Ian can drill down on it as he sees fit. I mean, banning Huawei from... So, so the first seg this first segment was more about smartphones, but... Actually, I think Huawei has always been more significant in networks than in, in sure. devices. I understand. Yeah. Um, well, that's always been the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, and banning them from networks has just left a commercial duopoly for most people of Ericsson and Nokia. Yeah. And they're both well, lovely. I, actually, worse than that, because I think, and this this ties to the, um, oh. I think the, one of the reasons there was such a, a huge interest in, in Open RAN and an analyst made this point interestingly at a thing that we were both at, but I can't say who it was because he didn't want to be quoted okay. on it. But it's, it's, it's known anyways. Nokia was in a really bad position they a few were, years ago, back in 2019. Really yeah. Their 5G business, they made, they made some questionable decisions. Yeah. Um, and the product, the 5G business was not perceived to be competitive. So, and, this, and this is a problem is that this is around about the same time when they were started to talk about, countries like the UK started to talk Huawei. about banning Huawei. Yeah. So immediately what, what organizations like Vodafone thought, which is already quite heavily reliant on Ericsson, it was already about... 55% of its network, mm -hmm. I think, it's RAN, was, well, if we if okay. we lose Huawei, yeah. and we're not particularly happy with Nokia anyway, yeah. in fact, they were moving so their network away from that, we're basically in a position where we're completely dependent on this, on this Swedish supplier. Nothing wrong with it being Swedish, but you don't want to have one organization. You so don't it was really just an answer to that. And I think I think that was one of the reasons why Open RAN seemed like an attractive and way to go. it's quite US-driven. This idea that if you open those interfaces between different areas... And therefore, a specialist that was cut out of the deal before because they didn't have an end-to-end -end capability can slot in and, and yeah, yeah. link to something that somebody else is doing elsewhere on the site, then you might ferment competition through smaller companies that can and focus all their on resources. 
Um, yeah, well, there's that as well. But but let's just present, like whether they're in the yeah. standards bodies or not, that you you allow um, smaller companies and startups that really never had a role before because you had to buy everything from the same the same company. Yeah, they're in a situation where they can compete, and I get that. I totally get that that premise. The the problem is that. Um, it's just not worked out that way at all. No. I mean, the market now, if you look at it, and and this is something that I, I wrote about this week, what, what Vodafone's doing. In the, Vodafone's big mm. plan in the UK was to, you know, they knew they were going to lose Huawei, which was, I think, when I went to an update in 2019 and Scott Petty was then the, oh, the right. Vodafone, he's now the CTO of the whole group, but he was mm. then the CTO UK, of Vodafone then. UK. Yeah. He was very, very um, transparent about who, where, who, use, who supplies what and what the breakdown is on the network side. Mm -hmm. And it was... Come the numbers exactly, but it's something like fifty-six percent Ericsson, thirty-two percent um, uh, Huawei, and then the rest Nokia in, and a lot of it in was London, Wales, and the West Country. Yeah, and they're they're moving. I'm curious how that works, but they go, let's give the Welsh the fucking Huawei. Well, it, it's it's more extensive than that. I mean, it's big. It's uh, it's a third of the network, yeah, yeah. and it's and it's an eighteen thousand site network. It's it's basically six thousand sites based on that breakdown. They're phasing Nokia out because they they felt that Ericsson was better, mm. and. Um, and then they had this, the open round plan that was announced back in 2021 when they came out with all the suppliers was, we will replace two and a half thousand sites with yeah. open round. They have until the end of 2027 to do it under right. government rules. But it's not just doing that. They have to get rid of the rest of the Huawei estate. Yeah. And they've been very, very coy about what they're doing with the other, let's say it's about three and a half thousand sites based on those numbers that Scott Petty shared. They've been very, very sort of, whenever I've tried to pick on this, and it's not been widely reported on, the suggestion, the hint that was always given to me is that if the 2,500 site stuff works out well, then we could go further. Mm. Um, and then they put out this release last week, um, which Scott... Uh, yeah, which you, they you finally covered, got on Where they finally yeah. got on with doing the actual commercial rollout. So this is two years' time, what they've been doing in two years is testing 16 sites yeah. in Torquay. And that was kind of a point... <laughs> 16 <laughs> sites in Torquay, so they haven't started the commercial I rollout. noticed, uh, Ian, I, I think I was the first to this... Um, I was the first to this um, headline. In fact, I think even Ray, you did remember you quote, Ray? Oh, did you quote Faulty Towers yeah, I immediately? And I said, and I think <laughs> my, when they were first started testing this stuff out in Torquay, I said, um, you know, uh, Vodafone's hoping it won't have Faulty Towers. Exactly. Uh, and and <laughs> I even got I even got a little email from Ray, Ray going, "Fair enough," because Ray loves a pun and a yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, but, yeah. And, but I did make the point in, in my recent reporting, God, it's taken them a while. It's taken them two years. So, so this commercial launch has kicked off. But then I looked at the the press release that they put out, mm. and there's a really interesting statement that by the end of 2027, we'll have at least 2,500 sites on Open RAN. Well, there's a big gap between 2,500 and 6,000 Huawei sites. And uh, I did a bit of digging around. And what what it seems, depending on um, who you talk to, but these are pretty people pretty close to the matter, is that all that work, the other three and a half thousand sites, has either gone and been dealt with by Ericsson, Ericsson. already, right. or it's being dealt with by Ericsson already, or yeah. certainly they're very very involved in in dealing with those sites, and therefore the role for open RAN that might be there in, in that rest of the Huawei estate is incredibly small. Oh, really? Now, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't that was that the angle. That was the scoop. 
Right. Okay. Um, sorry, I haven't been reading your shit enough. And um, I apologise. And therefore, now, okay, you can you can use uh, you could use Ericsson, and there's no reason why you could use Ericsson and not be open ran. Ericsson could make open ran equipment available as well, but right. but it hasn't done so far. It's not. It's perceived to be not an open ran player. Well, it's not in its interests. And, and uh, they have been very very active in the Open Alliance on this whole massive MIMO topic. They were, yeah, yeah, they, they have yeah. pushed it. Yeah. Um, but that's this is June. This was signed off. These modifications. So no equipment will be in the market now that supports that. Um, so here's the other problem that um, Vodafone's got on its two and a half thousand site deployment. It needs to. It's doing it mainly with Samsung. Samsung is Samsung is the main supplier now. The whole premise of Open RAN is that you. The whole original premise of Open RAN is that you buy your radios separately from who you're buying your baseband equipment from. Well, Samsung's doing both. And when they first put their announcement out in 2021. And the list of vendors turned up. NEC was on the list yeah. as a massive MIMO supplier as well, right. implying that Samsung software would power not only its own radios, but NEC's radios. Right. When they put the announcement out last week, every other vendor was named, except somehow NEC had gone missing from the list. And it wasn't on there anymore, implying that every single radio and baseband unit they'll, they'll take will be from Samsung which is exactly what you do in a traditional network. And this has been something, uh, I, I know you listen to and Maybe that'll stuff, change. But this has been something yeah. Ian's been ringing alarm bells around about from day one, which is it's all very well having open run, but presumably producing this very complicated brand technical environment yeah, yeah. Um, for all the open standards and the open interfaces you might have still as, um, pr uh, presents a, a system integration challenge. Always. So it might be easier just to get one fucker to do it all. Yeah. And then yeah. how are you that much better off than going all in with Ericsson, which has been something you've been saying for yeah. at least a couple of years. And, and the other thing is that the systems integrator, whether you do it yourself, yeah. which means, by the way, taking on a lot of staff to do systems integration, I was when just you would never say, have done that before, yeah. or you do it through a systems integrator like Tech Mahindra, or right. then what's the difference between Tech Mahindra and Ericsson? And just doing it all from one. Tech Mahindra is in charge of the rollout, yep. or Rakuten Symphony is in charge of the yep. rollout, and they're your point of, they're your choke point, basically. Yeah. Um, so, so do we think, Ian, this is why, like, something I wrote um, last week, um, Deloro numbers, about they, they produce something about open-run revenue growth. Yeah. And, you know, Deloro, like all analyst places, they they always have to work out how much shit they're going to give away for free, rather than getting people to pay for all their data. <laughs> Um, but they did. They gave us. They gave me this little bar chart that said um, open open run revenue growth 2021 around about 150 percent. 2022 around about 140 percent. 2023 less than 20 percent, which well, could be zero. But I. But yeah, okay. But those Deloro numbers, a lot of that's to do with the RAN market itself at the moment. Yeah, but that yeah, was so. But but that's what. Sorry. So there's another answer. Well, I was wondering called. whether what you were just talking about you think is a contributor to that. Um. Yes, I think, I mean, okay, there's another analyst company called Omdia that you yeah. know. And, yeah, I've uh, heard of them. And, um, they're here in this and building. And they're, they're really <laughs> good. <laughs> they're really good. <laughs> they are so, they're, good. so their forecast this year is, um, and I think they're, I actually think their round forecasting is really good. They spot bang on the money. But they think, um, I'm not just saying that because it's a sister company. I do think they're very good. Yeah, they're very good. But they, they um, think open round will be 7% of the market this year compared with 6% last year. So it's market shares going up, growth. but the but the thing is, you can call something open ran in name, like Samsung yeah, yeah. will be doing Just on this Vodafone UK, yep. and no doubt some of the stuff it's doing in North America with people like AT and T and Verizon. 
But if, if all the baseband and radios are coming from the same guys and they can't, and they're struggling to, for some reason to integrate NEC, and, and if they weren't, then why isn't NEC in that right, announcement exactly. that went out the, the other week? Because that's the sort of thing you want to show off as an open run example. Then it, then what's the I'm difference? Basically, that. what's the difference? And, and then also, yeah. and I know this is something you wrote about, and I covered it as well, but I, I like to think I look back to you because, you know, I don't mind linking back to you. I'll credit where it's due. If you extrapolate the current rate of growth, even if we get to 6G, where people might go, maybe Open RAM will really kick ass at 6G, it's still going to be the minority, like about a third of the market, by the time we get to the end of this decade. Yeah. But at the current rate of progression. So, do you, do you know, I think one of the big problems for it, though, is actually getting back to something Neil McRae said back in his days at BT. Because he made the really good point that I've spent a lot of time at BT trying to phase out too many suppliers and go down to a smaller yeah, number. Yeah, now suddenly we're trying and to if you start bringing them. back in people, then you usually end up paying more. It's a little bit like, you know, you go these days people go, like my parents, for example, because I always use them as an example because they're basically tech laggards. Yeah, yeah. But they, they're now like converged customers, as you call it. They take their broadband and mobile and actually a couple the of same, other things yeah. as well from some... It's called Utility Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, Utility Warehouse is kind of like a systems integrator in a way that it's a combines a for a bunch of different things wholesale totally. and then resells and, it. And my dad's like, look how you good this is. You know all about that. We, we, spe we spend this much money and if we bought all these things separately, it cost us this much and it's mm -hmm. brilliant just to get yeah, it all wrapped it. up. Yep. You know, and then he's like, yeah, when things go wrong, it can be a bit awkward because they sort of blame somebody else and it takes a while to sort out. So that's the trade-off. Always. But basically, he's spending less. If you want to get everything from somebody else, as opposed to just saying, well, let's just get the radio. Like Sam, when Samsung comes along and goes, well, you buy your baseband from us. If you get your radios from us as well, we'll do you a deal. It's like a whopper deal, you know, where you get your big Coke as well at the same <laughs> totally. time. Get a big Coke as well, and the Coke's only going to cost you like a pound. This is pricing like, 101. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what if you... Yeah, or, or an, another it's pricing analogy. 101. I mean, it's just simple as that. Another know? analogy that springs to mind, uh, we often lament, you know, Mary, you know, you, you, you've been to visit me up in Hitchin. I live in a, in a medium-sized market town, and you like to think of this utopia if you go around, and there's lots of independent shops, and it's all really cute, and someone's making fucking bread, and someone else is doing little cute little bits of jewellery or whatever. But we always end up going to Sainsbury's because it's just all there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a relevant analogy to this, but it but just totally. comes to mind. Yeah. Um, and that's why, this is why even in Hitchin, it's now all chain like Starbucks and, and this, that and the other. Um, it's just, it's just a fact of economic life. Listen, uh, we're, we're like about 10 minutes left and we want to at least briefly mention the thing that Mary flagged up. It feels a bit rude. Not no. to at least bring it up at all. I just want to say one thing though, quickly <laughs> that I meant to say earlier and I forgot. And that, on that Huawei story, my final paragraph goes as follows. And, and I'm going to back to Huawei. We are, but I'm going to tell you because I because you know sometimes I I call out trolls in the comments section. Yes, you do. And I've got one here. So my final paragraph was given the questionable. And this is you know this is something I've telegraphed on this pod. Given the questionable questionable. Too much of that 8% beer kicking in there. <laughs> Questionable justification the US has for using its preeminent economic power to try to ensure no one else catches up with it. It's hard to begrudge China this win. And I'm a sort of superficial win, you know, propaganda yeah, yeah. win. But even if, S even if SMIC can manufacture 7 nanometer chips at industrial scale, it will be incredibly difficult to close the five-year head start that chip okay. makers under some degree of US control have over it. Um, and anyway, and then this guy who claims to be Brian Williams... Uh, goes. Who's he, Brian Williams? Well, no one. Just a commentator. <laughs> just some random. It's actually a, com he's, he's he's a commentator. Williams. I was like, oh well, yeah, the because, great Brian Williams. Yeah, exactly. Well, I say US to, on, on NBC. He claims to be Brian Williams because, yeah. as you'll see from what I'm reading out, he's, he's very pro-China. 
So that's what, what I mean. Why, why is your brain, oh, Williams, okay. and not something with lots of exes? He's already be called Xi Jinping. There we go. Um, so he quotes, he quotes me saying it'll be incredibly difficult to close the five-year gap. And then, close quote, typical Western arrogance. Despite pointing out this is an incredible achievement, you still try to besmirch the Chinese people. Well, when will you stop being a racist? Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> and, that's uh, bloody brilliant, Brian. You've like summed up uh, the world at the moment. <laughs> and, then I re- uh, <laughs> and then I replied... Easy tiger. Um, oh, he, he'd be that. Why did you use the word tiger? Well, I, I did think of that when I was doing it. The tiger economy and all that. Oh boy! But it was mainly just an an Anglo term, like a London term. It's like yeah. easy tiger. Calm down, mate. Keep well, that's why I said to that bloke in the pub that no, time. Tigers are in India, Bengal. Oh, but right? they've they've. I think, I think Chinese economy has been referred to like, as the tiger economy in the past. Not like, is that right, Mary? Have you heard? Are there, are there like the, the animals of China I have heard the, the term pen. tiger economy. Not really, yeah. tiger, but it's not a not when I. I it could have been just general it's East tiger Asia economy or something. Or tiger economy? No. Ah, never. Yeah, I don't the think beer, tigers. I don't think from India, right? Yeah, yeah like is. that is where most yeah. of the tigers hang out. I think. Yeah, I was, he was saying Pierre's got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Fair. I think it's much more just of a London thing for you. That's yeah, that way. It was easily. Right he was the... he was picking up on the double meaning of tiger, and then He's... being pedantic about it. He was it... about several levels of pedantic, pedantic. Okay, so let's very quickly, um, in the ten minutes we have left. Um, so Margarita Vestager, who uh, who um, John would pronounce better. Shout out, shout out to uh, the late Jimmy Buffett. Sorry, because you said Margarita. <laughs> it, truly. Anyway. What, what? Sorry, I didn't get that. Jimmy Buffett just died. And oh, did so, he? And so he's linking it back to Margaritaville, Margareta. So that's so, completely lost he, on me. I don't he, know he's what Margaritaville is. He's distracting this whole thing. Yeah, thank so, you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I, I thank have, God I Mary's you. here to translate. Which I, I, I'll just be here all the time. Be your day job is translating Pierre. <laughs> Who the fuck is Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> yeah. You know, he was a billionaire thanks to his Margaritaville business, which was yeah, like a I don't rest- know anything about it. I know Warren Buffett. He's not related. All right, we'll cover it. We'll cover yeah, that's his cousin. That's <laughs> his cousin. Right. Um, Scott and I are equally confused. But yeah. We've been drinking. Margaret Vestager. Yeah. So, she, uh, so she's one of the two very senior European Commission commissioners. I can't remember what her job title is. Something young moronic. Very young-looking photo though. Is that taken like about 30 years ago? Look, no, there's a little video of her that she just did the other day. She doesn't look much older there, does she? Her haircut's got a bit shorter over the years. I don't know. Anyway, um, and but she's very influential, and we've spoken about it on the pod loads of times before, and not least, I think, um, when John was on here, when we were trying to work out the balance um, between the influence of her and Thierry Breton, where she seems to be, he seems to be a little bit more, if I've got this right, he seems to be a little bit more in favour of things like operator consolidation, like the 4 to yeah. 3 type of thing. Right. And she's a bit more like, oh, that's going to rip off the consumers. Yeah. She's a bit more in favour of the consumer. He's a bit more in favour of the business to massively sort of um, distill their positions. Anyway, she looks like she's clearing off. Because for three weeks or something. For three like, weeks, yeah. yeah. So she yeah. sent a tweet. I'll, I'll quote, I'll, I'll use her words. As of today, I'm officially candidate for president of the European Investment Bank. I'm taking leave from the EU Commission to focus on my candidacy until the appointment is made. And um, Weeks, I guess, is probably. Weeks. Yeah. yeah. Now, my feeling, and you might you might disagree with this, Mary, and I better shut up because we haven't, we haven't got long. My feeling is she's a shoo-in if she wants it because she's so senior. I can't think of... Anyone, even more than Ursi- Ursula von der Leyen, who's more influential than her, she's probably you one of the most. Mr. Andress, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Thinking fucking James Doctor Bond. No. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, like when she comes out of the sea. Anyway, best not to think about that right now. Um, I'm thinking she's a shoe in. I can't think of any 
European politician who's more senior than her. But anyway, maybe she won't get it. And then if she doesn't get it, it looks like um, this bloke called Didier Reinders, who's a Belgian, is going to get it. Yeah, he's coming in as her interim, right? Yeah, he's coming as her interim, but we assume... Maybe he'll be there permanently. if she gets it. Yeah, to me, so, Mary, over to you. What, yeah, what are your I thoughts think about this? Is all about for me. I, I very much would like to see more aggressive uh, approach to four to three. I mean, certainly even in you're some in favor sport, of four to three. I am absolutely in favor for that. I mean, we've we've done a great job of essentially. I remember when I was on the podcast years ago, and I was talking about the falling knife of consumer prices. All we've done is done a great job of of bottoming out what we can get in a consumer level. Across the board, uh, I mean, I think Germany, you guys have talked about, still has some of the highest ARPU, but that could be, and the U.S. has still got pretty good high ARPU, but, you know, the German is, telecoms are a lot more expensive in the U.S. than here. It is, they? yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's still, you know. I think the German operas are sniggering at the moment about how badly one and one's doing to bring it back to the open round thing. Oh, I bet. I, I'm, I'm uh, certain they are. But I think, to me, that needs to happen. You know, I, I'm delighted. I hope, you know, she's a woman gets this job. That'd be super. I'd love to hear that. But she also, I have a little bit of a, I have a little bit of a scar on my back because she was also hugely influential in bringing about all of the roaming caps yeah. and that steady slide down in both the retail Which is and the for whole consumers, but not for business. It killed essentially one of the greatest revenue streams for the roaming for the operator. That's a good point. Just killed it. So they're Straight all sitting off. there going, "We yeah. got no RPU. We're struggling to make ends meet," and that's one of the reasons why. Oh well. my god! I mean, I, I could go on and on about this, as you know, but nevertheless. Yeah. So your, she, your your job two jobs ago was two jobs roaming, ago. roaming, yeah. yeah, and uh, at Cineverse, and so you know at, at Cineverse, and and let's face it, I was at Cybernet before that. I helped define roaming. You know, I mean that was part of what I began my whole career right. with. Such so to cool just thing. decimate this entire segment of of the industry's revenue in the EU, and then all it's done is just kind of really depress international roaming prices across the board because it had a knock on effect. Right now. That's, you know, my past history with, with her. So you're <laughs> conflicted. I'm conflicted. You're pro-woman, but anti. I am pro-woman, but that really killed me. Yeah. But at the same time, what I want to know is what's going to happen next. If she does get this job, what's going to happen in the EU as it relates to consolidation? What's going to happen as it relates to, you know, regulation on spectrum? I mean, I think these are some interesting questions. She's been in that role for how long? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a long she's time. Part of the furniture. Yeah, she's part of the furniture. So I think this has got this could have some huge seismic impacts yeah, yeah, in I my agree. mind. I agree. And I think you I think know, it's a big deal. And I really do feel that some of these markets now, Malta. What is Malta doing with what three or four operators? I mean, come on. What yeah. is there? Twenty million. You know, is it got forty thousand people there? I mean, I, I'm 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 not saying that disparagingly. I'm just yeah. trying to make a point. But why is there a need for yeah. them to have five thousand operators? Yeah, however, each. yeah, exactly. So yeah. there needs to be some real... Half a million. Half a million, thank you for that. Right. Half a million people with how many ever operators, at least three. So let's say a couple hundred K each. That's so, not that much. So when you get back to that, and of course now they can't really charge for roaming, so it's not like they've got an inbound roaming well, really revenue. Yeah, and they probably only got one site and everybody's on it. And they're sharing it, by the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. So actually, they've only got one operator. <laughs> yeah, they've only really got one because the coverage is only this good. And nobody's got a differentiation. It's a nightmare. Which makes the point about how bullshit it is to insist on this plurality because the plurality is a, 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 a sort of figment of the Ever yeah. since we started to make it it's so you have to share mass because, God forbid, somebody in Kent wants to have, you know, a cell tower in their backyard, right? We won't even get into that. But... I think, you know, there, there's such, you guys talk an awful lot about, you know, what's happened in the, in the industry. We're, we're getting to this point here where we're going to have to just understand that the growth opportunity for these operators is not 
where it was. And so we're entering this mature level of 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 this of where they can go and how much they can grow and maintain. Yeah. You know, it's that transition, you know, it's, it's the old adage of, is it a growth stock or is it a value stock, right? Where are we in that transition? And a utility is a value stock. And so, you know, it's it's just that, where are we in that, in that, in that not to use the word spectrum, you really know? Really good question. But I think, you know, and so that's part of the consolidation play. It's understanding what's the economy of scale that can actually be achieved and then subsequently actually maybe potentially deliver a better solution so, to this consumer. So if, if I've interpreted what you said correctly, to a certain extent, people like Vestag can't have it both ways. That's right. They can't be well, constantly <laughs> championing the consumer. She has. But... Well, yeah. So better, <laughs> you know. better that she fucks off then. Um, they can't be constantly championing the consumer and then also going, um, we've got all these targets about how we've got to be the best, in the, we've got to be better than South Korea at, yeah. at telecoms and all that sort of thing. You know, something's got to give. That's right. Yeah. Cool. That might be a good time to end it unless you've got um, something to put because I know we're getting close to the mark. Sorry we left so little time for that bit. No, no. I, I mean, I didn't have much more to say. I mean, oh, that's I think good because that's typically this podcast. Is that suddenly <laughs> I'm panicking and I'm like, fuck, we've got two more segments to do and we only got half an hour. But you are so, good at making that first one last really long. That's, does well, that's, not, that's not me. That, that's just me being lazy is, and less fair. It, it is every time the end. But I, I, honestly, I honestly do think... Um, that that's what podcasts are about is just What's gonna happen? sort of unbridled conversation. We spent quite a long time talking about beer. Well, that's we true. There was about the. F there's normally that, a good half hour point. of bullshit at the no, start. No, but I, I like that. I mean, not bullshit. That's not disrespectful <laughs> to the Lucky Pigeon. I just mean non telecom stuff. That's right. Preamble. Is well, thank, thank, more thank you all for listening word. to everything about Lucky Pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Bitter okay. for Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we like and it. we've enjoyed we like it. And do you know what? I mean, we're at the end of it. And I've had the Lucky Pigeon. I've had a couple of our normal Hazy Janes. And I. I don't know. I don't think I'm slowing too badly, am I? No, no, you're good. No. You both are good. Wait until you stand up. I've, one yeah, thing yeah. I've noticed, I haven't needed the toilet. That's probably because it's really hot. I've just sweated you're it all just out. just dehydrated. Instead. Yeah, because yeah. it's only, what, like 90 degrees? That's a nice thought, isn't it, to end it on? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, let's end it on Ian needing a piss. Okay, all right, I'll leave it there. We we won't wait. keep you waiting for so long. We're going to have them every week from now on, except for one little gap, haven't we, When in a few weeks' time. End of the month, yeah. Yeah, but um, thanks a lot for listening, and make sure you join us for the next one.